if you think that the first thing you're doing is taking away my right to protect myself when yeah. when we're here to protest police brutality someone being murdered by a police officer the last thing that you're gonna do is take away my right to defend myself you couldn't have 10 different Martin Luther Kings you know because like yeah. there's different there's different movements right because there was Martin Luther King there was Malcolm X and there was like the Rosa Parks of the world but right. those are the names you remember you don't remember all the other names and it's kind of better I think that they don't have names or anything like that I, don't, I just think it's too big to have just that one person that's leading all of it welcome to the south of the streets coming at you every week with this food for thought hope you're ready to eat with everything going on in this nation we need some information and that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation with real talking real topics real people real problems think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to colin and the donovan because right, that's a, what, what's that oh, let's get ready hey just like a red white blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship we are back to Salt of the Streets podcast. It is Saturday, June 13th, 12.58 p.m., episode 87. I didn't go Southern this time. I'm so proud of myself. Mm-mm. So welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary on all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. And the best part about the whole deal is all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless endeavor to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Colin. I am Donovan. And today we are joined by another very special guest. Mr. Elijah, a.k.a. PNW Nils of Upper Left, welcome back. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. It has been, what did we figure out, almost a year? Just over two years. Just over two? Yeah. I feel older now when you say that. Episode 16 was the last time they were here. So go back and check out that one. last time Elijah was here. Oh, the upper left, guys. Um, And coming up on this week's show, we've got a a loaded show. So we're going to be talking to Nils about, you know, the overall experience of the COVID and the shutdown, just kind of like we've been doing. I don't know if Don kind of prompted you for that one. It's just we're trying to get a lot of people in to just talk about what it's been like for them. And everybody's got a different story. And then obviously the big elephant in the room of what's been going on the last couple of weeks. Cause we, we kind of like our last show was kind of like the worst timing possible. Yeah. It's like if we were offset a different week, because things that just kind of started to pop off and they were relatively localized to like Minneapolis area and some of the bigger cities, but then, it just spread from there. We, yeah. I think we mentioned that there was protests that were planned in Seattle that day and then started. Yes. And by the time um, we got done, it was like, oh, oh, this is like huge. Right. On the way home. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Because you texted me on the way home. You're like, Dude, right, you need right. to check um, that out. Because we had the last guy that we had on here was a guy named Alex, who is uh-huh. one of Colin's co-worker. Well, one of his one of his employees, I guess. Um, and so we had had Alex set up for like two weeks, you know, and so he just was already the guy. I don't, they're just, I hate that there's like just this world of optics, you know, that there is a question of like, well, why didn't you have a black eye on this first week when all this stuff is going on? Yeah. And it's like, well, fuck, man, because we had this guy already signed up for two weeks. Like, it's just, you know, and I don't, so that's why I was extra clear with you when I asked you to be on. Like, we are not asking you to be on just because you're black and we're asking you to like represent the black opinion or anything. Like, we've had a guest list informally for months now of people we've yeah. been trying to get on. Denzel was on that list. Like, we've had these people and we decided 
when COVID happened, that this was the best time to have every guest on to talk about what their experience was during Corona and so that we could get an idea of what the every man's experience was like, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, it's not going to go anywhere either at yeah. this point. It's still no. happening. And so we did like two of those, I think, and then all mm-hmm. this other stuff started to happen. And it, yeah, it's we said it before this time, it's just a strange fucking time, you know? It's just a weird, weird time. Because um, so, Joe Rogan had it right when he labeled his last special Strange Times. Yeah. And that wasn't even in 2020 yet, I don't think, right? It was 2019? I, I honestly know. don't even know. But, but It seems like a world away at this point. Yeah, and so I remember seeing before I got here that day that there was supposed to be protest, and then on the way home... And maybe I checked Twitter or something before I left and saw something about the protest popping off. And so I started listening to the radio on the way home and there was starting to be like riot type behavior, like people were breaking into businesses, like that type of shit was starting to happen. And so I had call or they had just put in the, their curfew is what it was. And they were talking yeah. about bringing the National Guard That's potentially. Right. Um, so I started watching them. I got home and. Um, that's when we got into that, you know, interaction with our friend and it was like when all that protest were go, was going on that evening was, she was like texting us. So, um, and I'm on the Twitter machine right now, just kind of checking out some of the protests that are going off today. I'm looking at massive protests, Paris. I saw early, right before we started a pretty huge one in Seattle was going on. Right, one in two weeks, we've gone from... London, I think, is going on, too. From those original protests in Seattle, and when we were here two weeks ago, we were covering the protests that had happened in Michigan, or in uh, Minnesota, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, in oh, yeah. Atlanta. You were uh, talking about DePaul? Yeah, I kept saying DePaul. I liked Instead it. of St. Paul? Like, well, yeah. I was, and he was like, St. Paul? And I was like, no, DePaul, bitch. Like, no, I was very adamant. Like, no, this is what it is. And that's <laughs> fucking stupid, dude. Stupid. It was funny. Nonsense. It was way. funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we've been talking about this an awful lot. Um, Colin and I have on our social media. I mean, we've been sharing stuff. We've been... T- just yeah. being just expressing ourselves um, on, on our social media. I'm at alpaca underscore Don on Instagram and at salt of the street on Twitter. He's a big bird off you on both those things. Salt of the street and Instagram, salt of the streets, Facebook, YouTube at salt of the streets, salt of the streets.com. Yeah, no, I, I got it. I'm not going to all out first. Uh, <laughs> PNW Nils, uh, obviously at salt. Or at, fucking goddamn. See, you got me all fucked up. Oh, <laughs> give me, give me the, the, the winks and stuff. Uh, PNW Nils on Twitter and at Instagram. Um, yeah. How? Yeah. Yeah. So there's been a lot. Social media has been extra active, right? It's, oh yeah. It's active. It is, but but extra active. And I'm not on social media all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you made any type of? And I'm not like like haven't you made a statement? But like have you have you made any type of statements or anything on Instagram or on Twitter or anything like that? Because I don't feel like I've seen anything really no. from you since this happened. No, I haven't. But it's also a weird time. So, like... Yes. It's a weird time, especially being a black male. It's like, you need to, but at the same time, it's like, I've never seen myself as an activist. I've never seen myself as, like... Obviously, I've seen myself as someone to speak out against wrongdoings, right? But... Yeah, you're a very good guy. I've known you for a long time. Yeah. You're a real good guy. I don't believe in, like... When the whole Blackout Tuesday was going through, I didn't necessarily agree with that. So, like, that's right when I was about to start posting, but I don't know. I just, 
repost and reshare things, but that's about it. I don't see myself as like a huge activist. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. You know, yeah. I think that there is definitely something to be said, especially in a time like right now, not to characterize it as a, you know, it's just as just like this other time, but in just hectic and crazy times in America, there is definitely something to be said for listening as opposed to constantly talking, you know, mm-hmm. especially listening for- and thinking. I always try to, try to come down on that side because it's important to to really process what you're seeing what you're hearing all that good stuff and try to figure out what you truly think yeah before you try to just put out some kind of a reactionary statement it just doesn't make sense you're going to do yourself a disservice and and possibly whatever movement you're trying to strive for if you just act reactionarily that's a word, right? Reactionarily. It sounds legit. It sounds good. We're gonna go on a that. reactionary basis. Indeed. <laughs> so um no, and I, I like I've I've tried to be really careful about only saying things on social media about shit that I really know about. You know, that I'm like I know this or like feel confident about this. You know, I'm not making statements about I don't know, systems and shit like that that I just I don't know enough about Mm-hmm. history and and things like that to try and draw these conclusions for myself you know so i've been not that i'm like i don't believe until i've whatever but so i've i've been taking this time the last two three weeks to just like consume information you know just trying to learn about stuff that i didn't learn about trying to educate myself about things like i was talking about social media like this week mm-hmm. i watched and did a lot of research about Black Panther Party and about Malcolm X, you know, because mm-hmm. I knew that those were things that I wasn't taught very much about in school, you know, and I and I thought that because I was seen all on social media about the Black Panther Party, about Malcolm X. These are things you can learn about. So I was trying to think about what are the things that I do know about this, you know, and all I knew or all, all I really remembered learning about Malcolm X in school is like he was a radical, you know, yeah. like he he was he was a part of the civil rights movement, but it was the militant portion of the civil rights movement. And he was the more aggressive part and people didn't get down with it, you know, more, yeah. most if, of the time. And if MLK was the dove, he was the hammer. Right. That's right. kind of what and, I, the general analogy I hear. And that's what I remember learning in school, you know. And so I started by just like watching Spike Lee's biopic with Denzel Washington. You know, it's like three and a half hours starts from when Malcolm X was like a teenager and then mm-hmm. goes through to when he dies, you know. So started there just to get a general sense of it because it, it's it's a still a dramatic movie. So it's not going to be I mean, it's Spike Lee. So it's going to be as close, obviously, as he can make it. But there's going to be more shit to be learned because a man like Malcolm X, you can't boil his life down to a three and a half hour movie and expect hmm. the entirety of it to be, you know, there. Yeah. So so I started there and, and just even in that learned so much shit that I didn't no you know um as far as like his personal transformations you know like starting as as what i had learned being more militant you know the Mm -hmm. oh like a lot of people called him um a black supremacist you know like when he first after he got out of prison and he was first part of this like uh like of of the religion and he's working with elijah muhammad a lot of people called him black supremacists called all these people black supremacists you know and he had more militant views of like no fuck that like this is we're taking it they brought us here we're gonna make it what it is you know and over this time of being fucked over by his religion and then again by the government, you know, and after he makes his pilgrimage to Mecca, just all that that he learns while he's there about equality of races through his own religion, you know, and coming back and seeing 
the error of his ways in the aggression that he had before and in it, it just I just so much more you know and it's not that I ever assumed like well Malcolm X was a very simple man you know but just to understand more of the nuance that existed in himself I had so much more respect for him and his personal growth um just learning so much throughout his life you know and I think that it's really unfortunate that that's not the shit that we learned about him in school, you know, uh-huh. or that I learned about him in school, because I think that that's much more important than well, he was just the more aggressive part of the civil rights movement. Like, yeah. and I don't, I'll speak more to that when we talk I, about, you know, I, I'm 25. So I, I don't, I obviously can't say for certain that's all that we learned, but I don't even in you no, know the section really of school that we, that we no. spend on, nope. you know, of, of black history. It's not, uh-huh. You're not learning in depth about Malcolm X unless we have a project about a historical figure and you're choosing Malcolm X as your historical figure and that's how you're learning about him, you know? And so I think that that does a great disservice to him and to the movement itself so as to not get a full breadth of understanding, even as good as you can do in just 12 years of elementary education, you know? It's... It's... Well, our education system is pretty garbage when you think about it. Well, and not just that. I mean, it, like the, the same goes for the Black Panther Party. You know, it was the same type of shit that I mm-hmm. learned about the Black Panther Party. Well, there, there are a bunch of radicals, and they're walking around with guns, and they're doing all this shit. And oh, yeah. They took over the... Whoa. What was it? The the city They went hall to the hall of yeah, LA? In, yeah, yeah, in LA. And so... But that's like the only stuff you learn. Right. Generally. And so... Again, you know, I start doing some more research about the Black Panther Party, and I'm the first thing that they're talking about in this documentary is like, man, one of the first things they did was trying to proliferate the use of the Second Amendment through young black males to ensure their own safety and the safety of their interactions with the police. Okay, so the last time that I was here, before I came here, I was telling Colin about a conversation that I had with Denzel, and I don't. Not trying to air out, you know, private shit with Denzel. It's, but I, I was asking him, like, what do you think about, like, like learning to use guns? You yeah, know? I know. And we like, talked about that. Right. We and so, and, that. and we had a, a fairly extended conversation about it. And I was very open. Like, I understand and I see the potential downsides to this. I am not saying that there is not potential negatives to this, you know? And so I found it very interesting to, to see my own ideas mirrored in something that I was taught was radicalized in school, you know? And I think that that's really fucked up that I'm 25 years old and something that I feel genuinely could provide actual good, right? To try and have young black males reclaim the second amendment so that they can be safe in their own rights to know that I was taught that that's a radical ideology. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to get emotional, but I never like put that into words. That's fucked up. That's wrong. And this is not a message of white privilege or like making anybody feel bad. But this is a like we grew up with a fairly good education system here. It is pretty good compared to what though. That's the problem. Uh, and that's fine. That's yeah. but I'm saying like comparative to to an education that says mm-hmm. the fucking whatever, dude. But that seems so wrong to me that a something that is a genuine idea to me that I really think could provide good value was taught as a radical ideology when I was in school. I think that's really wrong, you know, because I don't think that that's radical for me to think that Elijah and Denzel should be able to safely conceal carry a weapon and not be scared that they're more likely to be shot because of that. I think that's fucked up. I don't think that's radical. <sighs> and you that know? Is, it's so counterintuitive I, to what the Second Amendment is supposed to be. 
Because the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment is for all citizens. Period. Yeah. And if there is something that that is driving certain sections of populations to not embrace their own rights, yeah, to protect themselves from, just say the outward world, yeah, in in all forms, because that's truly what the Second Amendment is for, so that you can protect yourself and your rights if no one else can at that time. So let me ask you, since you talked to Denzel about the conversation him and I had, what did you, what's your take on that? Um, it's okay if you have not. No, like no, I have it. No, I have a take because we talked about it like immediately after, like he was recording and we just had a session and he was talking about it. But oh, so you guys were like together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's before. I'm happy to know that it inspired even a conversation. Whether it was this fucking guy is such a goddamn idiot trying to teach me to use a gun, like whatever it is, even if that's what it is, I'm happy that it inspired any type of conversation at all. So let me just say that before you continue, for everyone to know, mm-hmm. even if it's a conversation about me being a fucking idiot, I'm happy that it produced any type of conversation. For sure, so. yeah, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. But growing up. None of my family members I knew had guns or anything like that. It's just something you just don't talk about, right? And I think it's really a product of your environment. So us being blessed to be in like the north side of the states, a lot of stuff that Pacific we don't Northwest see. Pacific Northwest specifically. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of things that we don't see. I don't know. We don't see a lot of the things that the South sees, right? And yes. vice versa, right? But they would talk about guns, I would assume, way more than we would. My family never talked about it. Growing up, I know that my grandma had a shotgun, my dad had a shotgun. Like, they have guns. I just never knew about it, never really yeah. talked about it. More backup home defense type of shit. Yeah, yeah, but it's like something you never talk about, right? Unless, yeah. like, your uncles and aunts are coming over and, you know, just get drunk and all that stuff. But <laughs> uh, being employed where I'm at now, which is the shipyard, you know, everyone has guns. And I never heard people, like, be fascinated, talk about guns as like a topic to bring up to like bond with someone it's crazy yeah. to me still to this day it's a it's a weird world it's crazy right yeah. that's yeah. what I like to call I think it's commonly called gun culture yeah oh, for it's sure, the people yeah. that you could probably attest to this once you kind of get into that world there's like a whole world to explore yeah and then all of a sudden yeah you can have bonding experiences just yeah. talking about guns or like talking about body armor or Whatever the fuck, it opens up to this whole yeah. wide world. But if you're not part of that gun culture, or have somebody close enough to you that is a part of that part of that gun culture, then it generally just comes down to you know kind of the the layman's version of what guns are. I mean, they're dangerous tools that generally are built to kill people. Yeah. Why do I want to deal with that at all? I'm not into that. It's it's just real easy to not want to be involved in that you know situation or. You have like the family members that have a shotgun or something like that or whatever it is for home defense or something. And then that they just don't even get into that culture of gun ownership and second amendment and all that stuff. So it's, it's just real easy to not be exposed to that inner world of gun culture for a lot of people, especially depending on where you live. And like, like you said, living in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. There is a huge gun culture. But if you're not a part of it, you may not really even know it exists. Especially like we live in a small town, but not like a rural town. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's like it's like a, a small city almost. You know, there's not like a bunch of farms and stuff around here. People mm-hmm. live in the woods, but in a but not the type. You know, a different type of woods than there are, like you said, in the south. You know, yeah. so yeah. 
still working on the ship. You already learned about the gun culture. No, I just think it's like the difference. It yeah, the fine. There's a fine line between people that like guns, have guns, and then there's like the extremeness. You know. Yeah. And I think oh, yeah. growing up, just you kind of assume since you don't talk about, it, you just kind of assume certain things. And like I always just thought it was like an extreme thing to do. It's like I don't really need a gun. Like I get it, people have guns, but no one has a gun. Middle school, high school, they, they don't talk about it really. Right. right? Yeah. Once you become an adult, you start to realize people do talk about it. I don't know. I'll probably get one, but I, I don't know. Have I'm, you ever I'm shot a gun different. before? Yeah, yeah. My brother's a cop, so I actually oh, okay. story. Okay. Or he, he's in the prison now, but he was a cop. A little backstory on that is I have a little bit more insight on like the whole Minnesota thing because he was a cop in Minnesota. Really? So, yeah. So his actual career started in Minnesota as far as being a cop. So now he's a prison. He works in a prison in Seattle because he took a, a job offer, right? So he's pretty high up in the prison. So he doesn't not, we're not really a cop anymore, but yeah, more of an a, administrator, but he's, yeah, exactly. he's starting there. Yeah. yeah. So I have like a different viewing of like God, everything that's going on. Yeah. I didn't even know any of this when I asked him to be on. Yeah. I try not to talk. I mean, I'll talk about it freely, obviously, but when you yeah. bring that up, I'm obviously not like 50, 50 on the fence. Cause obviously right and wrong is night and day. Right. Right. But I do have like different view, different views on, police brutality than most people yeah that's oh, really man. interesting because it's so hard with all of the 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 new flood of videos that come out like every other day now there's a new video of some cop somewhere beating the fuck if not killing yeah. somebody there's yeah. somebody i, I, I like personally see Georgia. one every single day yeah I see one every single day time. it's crazy yeah and then but to have somebody on the inside that has a different perspective like that because that just people like to distill down like law enforcement and police brutality yeah. because it's really hard to understand that even today with this general us first them mentality, those are all still fucking people too. Mm-hmm. And they're not all the same fucking people. No. All of them have different, different backgrounds, views. different, you know, yeah. and they all act differently. They all think differently. They all have different opinions on how their occupation is run and carried out and you know because they're so hamstrung by certain laws and all this stuff they have to act certain ways here or and then there's this whole weird brotherhood thing that goes on and there's a union thing going there's so many different layers to it so it's it's really easy to try to distill it and make it simple and something that everybody can consume but it's disingenuous to the argument that needs to be had because it is incredibly complex yeah and that's it's nice to have people around that have that different experience, that that have a family member that has been in law enforcement or are in law enforcement, whatever, because they're going to offer a different perspective than what you're fucking reading about online right. or what's showing up on social media. Because you're only going to get one person's perspective that way. Yeah. Is you so? So you said that you're you're likely to 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 buy a gun. Yeah, I mean, eventually, I'm in absolutely no rush, but eventually, yeah, yeah I'm definitely not going to shy away from buying one. Yeah. So when you had that conversation with Denzel, you weren't totally turned off to the idea of, of learning more about guns, obviously, and <clears throat> stuff like that. They, they, till this day, and they'll probably never ever like intrigue me to like ha- actually have like a full blown conversation, but I'll have one just for, just for the means of self protection. That's it. Like yeah. I don't, I don't get fascinated by that. I really don't. Well, it's interesting because at that point, you're, you're looking at it about as base as it can be as a as a tool right that I may not necessarily need or want. Yeah. Not everybody needs a chainsaw. But 
if you want a chainsaw, <laughs> you're going to feel like you need a chainsaw. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's because there's, there's a second amendment aspect to the argument, but then there's the practical matter yeah. of, okay, I can have a gun, but am I ever really going to feel comfortable using it if I needed to? And at that point, why the fuck do I even have it? Yeah. Unless it's essentially like a last line of defense thing. There's a, I mean, there's so many, di- there's a spectrum of reasons why people get into it or choose not to. And yeah. it's totally okay. Either way you look at it, but you should come to that decision yourself yeah. after you've thought about it. You, know, you shouldn't be listening to nobody. Yeah. You know, nobody should tell you what to do when it comes to your, your rights like that. And if you choose that, like, Hey, I'm just not going to actively participate in that one aspect of it. That's what America's all about. Right. My mom had, similar to like your family, my mom had a gun in our house for like 15 years before I even knew that it was there. Like she never took it out shooting. She didn't. It was there. It was my grandpa's pistol when he was a cop in Eugene. And then when he died, she got it and she just had it ever since. And so mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, 16 or 17, I think, before I even knew that it was there so it's it's yeah there's a lot of people that i think do that same thing they're not into the when i i was raised very similar that we just weren't into guns like some i I didn't even know that my mom had one and then when i bought my gun i was like yeah it's you know whatever and i'm not i don't think i'm really into i think that's really weird and then i started to get really really and i I got very into the gun culture and like building and understanding and like, I love to learn about things. I just love to learn, you know? And so I never knew before I started to buy guns that it was so complex. It was so complicated. And so to learn that was so fascinating to me. And so, um, I'm not into like, people get really nerdy into like ballistics and like stuff like that. And I'm not into any of that, but, um, just like the way that they work, the functions of them, like building them and stuff, I think is very interesting just Mm -hmm. because I had no idea that it was so complex. I got into a little bit of that, that super nerdy side of it with the ballistics and all that, because when I started to get into hunting, I yeah. like the ballistics of a particular caliber round was important it's to important, me yeah. because I'm not, you know, I wanted to, when I, cause I've only been hunting now like two years technically. Right. And part of like my, one of the personal kind of like uh thresholds I set for myself for actually becoming a hunter and actually doing it was I need to do it in the most, you know, quote unquote humane way possible. I'm not just going to try to go shoot at fucking something and then we'll see how it turns out. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to take the life of an animal, I want it to be quick, clean and fast as le- as minimal pain ethical. as possible, you yeah. know, as, as ethical as possible. And so, okay. I was like, all right, so what kind of round would be best for this? How, what, what round flies the flattest, the longest, so I can take a, a longer shot or something and feel comfortable that it's going to hit where I want it to hit and all that good stuff. So I kind of came into that level of like the nerdiness part of it through like an ethical reasoning. Yeah. And there's a lot of ways you can get there. And some people like my brother and stuff with the military background, he just kind of got into it because he was just interested in it, which is nice. Cause if I have a question, I just tap that resource and check his info real quick and we're yeah. good to go. But there's just, there's a lot of different reasons why somebody may or may not be into gun culture and, and how deep they dive into it can be, you know, there's a million different reasons to explain how or why they got to that point too. Yeah. How I, did we end up getting on gun culture so um, much? 
just I'm not sure, but there's just one last thing that I want to say about it that will lead us into something else um, that has to do with the conversation I had with someone on social media this week. Um, and it has to do with like context, right? Because I think the context is really important. And mm-hmm. you kind of mentioned it when you about because of the way that you were raised, we were raised that you used to kind of think that there's like it was guns were simplistic to the point of like extremists, you know, and yeah. like mm-hmm. just regular, like whatever. Um, and I think that when you begin to learn that nuance and the context behind it, it's very, very important context for firearms themselves, you know, and for words, right. And this is how we'll kind of get into this, whatever, move on to another conversation. But I had a conversation with someone that we actually went to school with. Can you bleep this out for me? Can you yeah. write this down? Let me just write it down. Go ahead. Just for the, Right? Yeah. You know, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So um so I was talking to him, right? And I don't remember exactly what he said, but in the end it, it is or somewhere in there talked about, you know, assuming that somebody was threatening because they had a firearm, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, the rest of what you're saying I'm totally down with like it's like but the one thing I have an issue with is you talking about someone being a threat like because they're having a firearm you know i said in this that particular view of firearms themselves is i think a partially a root cause of what leads to young black males specifically not being able to safely carry a firearm yeah. right that ideology of a firearm is a threat mm-hmm. is the justification that police officers can use to shoot people who have guns even if they're rightfully carrying them. And, and it's the only example I can come up with immediately is like Philando Castillo, that's you know, that's what I was yeah, right? Yeah. Is con- legally concealed carrying, is trying to reach for the paperwork, is saying explicitly, I'm not pointing my gun, I'm not reaching for my gun, I'm not reaching for my gun, still get shot anyway. That cop can use the justification, we had to fire him, it's a threat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, that ideology, right? And I was very clear, so I'm not saying that you're racist, you're nice, but that, that cl- idea, that, perception of the second amendment is extremely dangerous and continues this ideology that leads to more people being killed with that justification you know and so then it got at the end of the conversation where i stopped responding right he said well i guess it because so well i'm 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 automatically going to be it's logical to think that someone is more threatening because they have a firearm and i said but it's not exactly. said logic does not dictate threat when you see a firearm right then it might be a poor example right now but if you see someone who your brother right who mm-hmm. if he's in uniform you're not going to automatically assume that he's a threat because he's holding a gun right no. a police officer that you know is not a piece of shit you're not going to assume is a threat because they're holding a firearm a standard person, a fucking hunter, someone who's at a gun range. You're not going to assume they're a threat because they have a firearm, right? Mm-hmm. Context is extremely important. Caution, 1,000% logical because you don't know why they're carrying it. You don't know their experience with it. You don't know their state of mind. You don't know any of that. Caution is 1,000% logical. A perception of threat is not logical, mm-hmm. right? So his response is, well, I guess it depends on what you mean by threat. But it doesn't no. because the word threat has a meaning, right? And he said, well, when I think of threat, I think I'm automatically going to assume or be more cautious of this person if I see them with a firearm. Mm-hmm. So I stopped responding because you can't even explain your theory without changing the word that you're using, right? And that's 
I'm not trying to nitpick. I'm not trying to do anything. But if your idea is caution, that you're going to be more cautious, then the word you need to use is caution, not you're going to assume threat. Yeah. Because to assume threat, I looked up the word, is to assume you're in immediate danger. To assume that person, this situation is going to cause you danger. Right? I think that's, it's very important. That is a very, very important distinction. Yeah. But I think to show caution to someone is 1000% logical, very logical, because there's so much you don't know, the context you don't know. Mm-hmm. But to automatically assume threat, I don't think is logical. And I think that that's an extremely dangerous ideology and thought process to be pushing forward, because I think that, and, yeah. it, I, and I think you know that's what I'm probably a product of like the social stigma that guns have been labeled with over the last few decades. Yeah. You know, I'm going to use my chainsaw analogy again. I walk out, I'm in a garage and I walk outside with my fucking chainsaw and I, with a lot of people that just go walking and running on this street out here. And if walk out there and happen to see somebody I know and we start bullshitting, are they going to be like, what the fuck are you doing with that chainsaw, dude? Where's where's the treat? What are you doing? You're not a logger. And so they're gonna they're gonna act differently now because there is something there that can be dangerous. Potentially. It it doesn't seem to fit in whatever context they they think they're walking into in that particular situation. I will personally confess to and I'm a big gun advocate. I you know I have I have a couple guns, you know, I'm looking at getting more. I am we're in the process of building guns, all that good stuff. I have somebody that I work with that ever, you know, before the protest started and all this stuff, it was kind of like um, once the he had reached a certain point during the shutdown period where he started to feel kind of uncomfortable being out and about with all these people getting weird. You know, there's a lot of social stigma and people yelling at people for not wearing a fuck mask or, you know, whatever it is. So he started to carry his pistol on his hip at the office. Stuff like this. There's, there's technically nothing wrong with that as yeah. long as it's okay with whoever owns the building or your company policy, right. whatever the right. fuck, right? Open carry state. Yeah. And it was weird, even for me, for a couple days. Still doing it right now. Yeah. Nobody thinks twice about it. So it makes me wonder if we didn't have this social stigma about 100%. open carrying. And you weren't, let's say you weren't allowed to conceal carry. Everybody had to open carry in the state, period. If you want to carry a gun, you better be showing that thing. I wonder if the social stigma would be different because there would be a lot more people having regular interactions with people, including cops, yeah. that are regularly carrying firearms. That's Maybe that's a slight justification of that in an armed society is a polite society. But I think there's got to be something slightly truthful to that. Yeah, and having that, that kind of like that stigma that if you're carrying a gun there, that person now becomes a threat yeah. at some point. Is it? It's like you said, I it's dangerous totally for agree. one, and especially when you're talking law enforcement, because they're on edge usually as it is, and if they see a firearm right there, they're gonna be they might be pushed to the brink and go over the top, and then they're going to do some stupid shit, and the next thing you know, somebody gets fucking murdered. Right, which is unfortunate, because it is, it is in my view, you know, it's it's the police officer's job to do their best to de-escalate the situation to the point that they de Until it is, uh, you know, there is no longer a possibility. Yeah. Um, but that's like another... So does that, this conversation I had with, with our old schoolmate, does that make sense to you, like what I was saying? 
No, it makes sense, but no, I agree. What are your thoughts? I don't, I can't, I'd be lying if I said I agree entirely because just tapped in into like the roots of my soul. I know me personally having that causes more of a threat. It does not matter in what case scenario, it does bring more eyes. And I'm not going to say it's a flaw system, but the system is going down because you have these threat levels that get amplified due to like school shootings or mm-hmm. anything like that, you know, anything that's even remotely like that, even just like the thing what happened on July, what, third last year, you know, with that, like that minor thing right but there, right? Chief stick. Just, um, yeah, 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 just minor things like that, you know, and it's the, it's the whole argument is like, all right, does everyone need a firearm or does everyone need to get their firearms taken away? I definitely don't think everyone should get them taken away. It's all right before that. Times do change, though, so it brings up arguments like, at what point, you know, should we rewrite the Constitution? I don't think you should, but... That is why the amendment process exists, though. Yeah, exactly. it's, a, it's always an open possibility. But then, it, but then it, you know, it goes full circle, and it's like, all right, well, someone has to have guns because if X and Y across the water comes and attacks us, then who's yeah. going to defend us? Then you CCP got the police in. walks right in. Yeah, then you got the police in, and then you got all these other stuff. It's like, all right, well, the police can't be the only people that have the guns because what if they go corrupt? Mm-hmm. So it's a it's yeah. a constant conversation. I so think everyone should have guns, though. Let me steel man that a little bit and say, okay, well, we have law enforcement. Yeah. We have National Guard, mm-hmm. who obviously we know can be turned out in a very short time, and we have the actual military to protect us. Yeah. Okay. Why do you, the citizens need guns at that point? I don't trust the government. Um, that's my, my particular, okay. right? So I tried I'm, to steal man it a yeah, little bit. I'm pretty sure, um, <laughs> our next episode, Josh Keaton is going to be on here. Okay. And so Josh Keaton, you know, he's been away at school for several years now. So I'm sure he's going to, where's he going to school? Local or out of state? No, nah, he went, I think he went to Wazi because he's in, okay. uh, I say he's in Shibuya. I'm pretty sure I saw that guy like last week. Josh Keaton. I know that he's back here right now, but he's living in fucking not here. He's okay, not here. Okay, yeah, Eastern Washington. He was going to school there, okay. and then he's like, did he, he come back a cowboy? Being it happens a, to a lot of people go to and that. And then school. he was being like a like a working in a nursing home. Oh, okay, um, and I so he's a fucking saint then. Uh, I oh Josh Keaton's Jesus. a great guy. Yeah, um, his I can't yeah. believe people that that. Do that for a living, man. Yeah, I don't remember why God, I brought that. Oh, because he—I've been talking to him, and he told me that he was going to press me deeply about my views on the Second Amendment and why was that. That, but well, it's um, good. It's good. Well, I think it's very important, and that's one of the reasons that I—we talked before, but I got this, and then I never thought that I would own an AR. And I, I bought an AR like six, nine months ago yeah. when they first started talking about like doing Banning assault. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, nope, no, 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 no. I don't trust that. And then when the coronavirus stuff happened and people are getting weird, mm-hmm. I just I don't trust that you know and as bad as the actors are i'm not painting any group of anybody in any type of way except for the people who did bad shit when i'm seeing videos of people in neighborhoods in washington dc going into people's homes fuck that my son is in my home my wife is in my home i don't care about the things in my home my items i care about shit because i work i've worked very very hard for everything that i have i did not still i did not come from extreme means of right but i'm not I'm not going to kill someone over my TV because I don't care, right? Yeah. But I don't know if you're coming in here for my TV or for my fucking kid, and I'm not going to take that fucking chance. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to take that chance. And so 
I don't know, you know, oh, and just to think that it's different from one person, you know, that if I'm like, I know that it's just one dude, I feel very comfortable with the pistol that I have in the box next to my bed that I'm like, this is fine. You know, when you're seeing fucking hordes of people running through neighborhoods, looking for goddamn supplies coming, you're talking, the woman on the commentary magazine said that she's literally seen yeah. groups of people in cars. This woman who's on a the commentary magazine podcast, it's a, to a conservative magazine out of New York. This woman lives or DC. Yeah, out of New York and she lives in Washington, D.C. in one of the outside neighborhoods and she was talking about literally carloads of people coming through the neighborhood going to people's houses. And like... Like I'm not, I'm not saying it's the protesters doing that. Not painting any groups of people, but if I'm, you're talking about literal groups of people in a matter of a week. You know what I'm saying? Shit deteriorates to the point that there are groups of people going to people's neighborhoods and homes to do whatever the fuck they're doing. And this was like at the I don't peak want of a the, pistol. The I don't want that. Destruction you know? stage too. And so yeah, there yeah. were these like rogue groups of people that were going to just start shit wherever they went. And that's from my home, right? And then on the flip side of that, when I'm seeing legitimate peaceful protests that are getting tear gassed and beat the fuck down instantaneously, yeah. that's that other shit. Because that shit doesn't happen, and I'll defend this to anybody, right? That shit doesn't happen when you have an AR-15 in your no, hand. For sure. The cops don't fucking beat you down when you have a goddamn rifle in your hand. That shit yeah. doesn't happen. Why do you think the first thing that they do in the city... All weapons are banned from the protest. Nobody can have anything, but the cops still get to have batons and shields. And I don't... For sure, it's the cops' job to keep order, but you got me fucked up. If you think the the first thing you're doing is taking away my right to protect myself when when we're here to protest police brutality, someone being murdered by a police officer, the last thing that you're going to do is take away my right to defend myself. And that's... The Second Amendment exists to protect the first, right? You and know so what I'm the saying? The government is saying that, yeah, okay, you can you can go protest. Here's your permit, but you can't you can't bring guns. And oh, I'm not. Wait, wait, wait. So right. I get to exercise my first, but not second. Come again? Yeah. Explain that one to me. I've Mayor, had a, Mayor Jenny fucking Durkin. I've had a really hard time with people making those comparisons between like, oh, you're fucking protesting to get your haircut one week, but then you're not cool with this shit that other week were. Or like the police didn't beat down these people in Michigan when they had their AR-15s, but they're beating down these people. And I don't, that seems like too simple of a line for you to be jumping immediately over. They had goddamn rifles in their hands. Oh, yeah. oh, who cares? The stupid fucking thing happened them there to protest. Yeah, because people really did have signs about haircuts. Some people are really pissed off. They're not allowed to go to work. You know? I'm not talking about the reason that they're there. I'm talking about your presence expressing your Second Amendment right makes it really, really hard to make you be quiet and force you to get the fuck down and shut the fuck up. And I just don't understand the disconnection with that but it's i think it's this part of the same thing you're talking about the social stigma of mm-hmm. an ar-15 is just to kill people it's just for school shootings it's just to kill a bunch of people you know well, and that's and- i think that we're seeing right now exactly why that exists is because if you've Chaz is immediately more serious when they have armed guards now it's yeah. a concern now that people are there to openly express their second Amendment rights now we need to take it seriously right I think that's ridiculous. I think that it's ridiculous. It's yeah. I mean, there's it's a little bit more nuanced when we talk I'm, about Chaz. I'm saying that we'll people are immediately like there. more. Yes. You know, the f- it's you'll now have national media attention. I think that it's ridiculous. You yeah. know, and it's because there is not, in my opinion, uh-huh. the 
there's not a justified. I don't want to make that. too harsh of a statement, but there's, I think, a skewed perception of the Second Amendment at its core that mm-hmm. leads to that type of thinking, and I think that's a serious problem. And I think it's a way take. I think it's taking away people's power to protest and try and get a goddamn message across. You know, there's I get that. a difference in the '60s where, you know, if Martin Luther King and all his homeboys tried to show up with guns, the shit would have been way different. It would not have gone down. I, I, I'm not saying in their favor. I mean that the police would have shot them. Like, it, yeah. it was a different time. It, yeah, they they yeah. didn't have the same opportunity then that you have now. Yeah, it We are at a time genocide. now where when Philando Castile died, the entire Second Amendment community said, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Said, I don't, even people who before were like, blue lives matter, said, this is wrong. This man is expressing his Second Amendment right, and this is wrong. We, we are living in a time where it doesn't matter anymore. The Second Amendment community does not see color, right? And that's, yeah. uh, that's stupid thing to say. But they're like, as, as base as it sounds, they don't care what color you are. It's the Second Amendment. They are down for everybody. So it doesn't matter what the cause is. If you're there and you're peacefully protesting with your Second Amendment right, they're going to support you, even if they don't like your cause, because yeah. you're there for, with the Second Amendment. Yeah. In the 60s, it wasn't like that. You didn't have that same thing. The NRA, Dave Chappelle talked about it. When yep. when the Black Panthers showed up at the courthouse in L.A., the NRA then protested against assault weapons because because the Black Panthers showed up with them in L.A., right? Yeah. Shit's not like that anymore. It's not like that anymore. And it concerns me that that's not, except that's a line that's being totally missed by people. It's mm-hmm. just not even clicking that it's it's different. You what know? was that? Is it the John Brown Gun Club? That showed up yeah. at the Chaz, yeah, you know, and that is a essentially a group of African American Second Amendment enthusiasts, right? With with you know they have some some fringe elements going on there too, but overall, yeah, you know, because they showed up at the Chaz, and that's so the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone is what we're talking oh, about, yeah, um, and you just for you else because you didn't really know much about this, right? The, yeah, the yeah. Chaz. So it is a, like a six block. For now. For now, section of Seattle that, you know, however it came across, because there's reports that the protesters did it and that, like, random people did it, or that, like, I have no idea. Either way, right? First of all, it's Capitol Hill. Yeah. It got barricaded up, right? It's a weird area. So there's six blocks or so that's blocked off that has been labeled the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And so people are there, and there's conflicting reports all over the board. And so we're, I think, just going to really try and share the shit that we can, like, validate, you know? Because... Thank God it's 2020 and there's people that are doing, like, yeah. live feeds as they walk through. In and the very like, beginning, there's, like, all kinds weird of stuff. bad claims about it and stuff. And one of them that I want to address immediately is... Um, try to show you a map of it on yeah. Twitter. So there's... They, there's armed guards at some of the exits. They're armed guards, yeah, right? The yeah, and um, and I don't think that it's all of them. I think it's just some of them. But it's it is a group, the John Brown Gun Club. That is, I mean, it's a Second Amendment group that they're there and they're to protect the encampment, right? I'm not opposed to this at all. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I've been really adamant about that on social media. I'm only saying that because I've been really adamant about ensuring the understanding of armed people there because there is media companies as big as CNN trying to say that no one is carrying guns in there. Yeah. And I think that that's wrong, right? I said I don't think there's a problem with it because I'm an advocate for people peacefully expressing their Second Amendment rights, whether it's at the Chaz or it's at the protests in Michigan. I don't give a shit. If you're being cool about it, I'm down, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not opposed to it, but I want to ensure that 
Okay. That shit is happening. We've seen it. We've, we have oh, yeah. seen it on social media. The same thing that everyone is saying, oh, don't believe the media. Look on social media to get the truth about Chaz. We have seen the John Brown Glove Club there at the Chaz. Totally fine. But let's just be fucking honest about it, right? And in the first couple of days, there was also reports of extortion. A couple of words. John Brown Gun Club members right at there. At the Chaz. Yeah. <clears throat> and which... They're it's almost totally like book boys. Fine. Right. It's yeah, yeah. They're almost and like book boys. They got a full tactical setup, man. They're ready to go. Open carry is totally legal in Washington State. Yeah. yeah. Good to go, right? So no problems. I'm I'm fine, right? I just want to just be honest that this is happening there, right? I think it legitimizes them a little bit. It makes you look more serious now that you need to be taken more seriously rather than random people pulling AR the pif fifteens out of the back of fucking police vehicles for them to be immediately taken. You know what I'm saying? A guy who's yeah. obviously never held a rifle before in his hands who's just like, Oh, I got this shit because it's taken away in five seconds by a random guy, right? Did you see that video? Oh yeah, the guy that crashed the car. Right yeah. There, right? yeah, came right up on. He was a security guard for Q13, and yeah. he he actually, comes up on. I'm gonna take that, yeah. sir. Thank he you. He recovered that both away. of those both those rifles that day. There was two AR-15s yeah. taken from cop cars on that first day of Seattle protest, and that security guard for Q13 got them both back. Because in that video where he got the second one, he had another one like slung on his back, and that was the other one that had already been taken. Wow. <laughs> he had already got back. Yeah, it was wild. He's so yeah, like he just uh, drops it, unloads the mag magazine and then just like military veteran and like refused to even have his name put out like no one even knows who it was he was like i don't even want mm-hmm. he's like no it's, it's totally just my job that's crazy i yeah. didn't know that yeah that's, there's awesome. been a lot of cool stuff that like little anecdotal you know situations that have unfolded yeah. especially in seattle over the last couple of weeks they're like man there's a lot of good fucking people out there yeah it should bolster people's you know, hopes in humanity at that point, even for those crazy Second Amendment folks that are carrying guns in the city. Yeah. It's like, man, a lot of people are good people. Um, and so there, there was also reports of extortion when the Chaz first went up, right? Yeah. Um, and the there's been a lot of confusion about this because of, like, some weird statements that have come out from two different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first day that they started talking about extortion. I don't remember the, the police officer's name because she's not Carmen Best. She's not the police chief. She's yeah. one of the lieutenants. She was saying they were receiving stories, not not formal reports, but police officers were being told that businesses and individuals were being extorted for entrance fees and to maintain business within the autonomous zone, right? Okay. And so then, like two days later, Carmen Best the police chief in Seattle clarifies, she says, we have not received formal reports of extortion in the autonomous zone, but if that is happening, we would like people to report the extortion. Mm-hmm. Do you, I'm sorry, do you want another beer? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm okay. We have more beers so. down there if you want. I'm just yeah, okay. sorry. They're still uh, relatively cool. Yeah, I just noticed. So um, That's next. And so immediately after she said that, people, even people that I know are like, oh, my God. She just walked back with the police department said that, you know, there's no there's no extortion. This isn't going on. This they're, They've been lying. And so I'm like, that's not... And it's important. The verbiage is important, just like the mm-hmm. conversation with our schoolmate, especially in politics and public statements. The verbiage is very, very important, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's why she said, we have not received formal complaints or reports of extortion within the autonomous zone. And that's exactly why the first officer didn't say we've received reports of, you know what I'm saying? They haven't mm-hmm. received formal reports. She said, we've received anecdotal stories of of extortion within the autonomous zone. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not trying to say that this is 
evidence that it is happening. What I'm trying to say is that it's not evidence that it's not happening. You know, we still don't know because I've seen arguments. I've seen stories from local news companies, from people being interviewed who live inside of the autonomous zone, that they're happy about what's going on and that they're not happy about what's going on. So I'm a Capitol Hill. Right. So I'm not trying to argue either way. But what I'm saying is there is not conclusive evidence either way, because even if you try and go from standard media to social media you got people saying either way that there's extortion happening at the gates and that that's not happening no one would ever do that here that's not even possible so you know i'm not saying that it is happening for sure but i know that there are certainly reports on social media if that's the only thing that we can believe of extortion happening in the autonomous zone for at least some businesses and individuals so i think we should step back for a second to kind of talk about how it came about right and the importance of that police precinct that they essentially occupied and then the autonomous zone kind of got established around that right because the that was east on precinct yeah the east precinct of the seattle police department i think it was on monday this past week right where they essentially had made the decision to abandon the precinct the police department along with the mayor jenny durkin had decided that okay it's time to grab everything in there board it up and let's get out because the protest is building and, and they're going to try to – they were afraid of a conflict at the police precinct. Yeah. And so they just – to essentially neutralize the possibility of a threat, just back out. Then all you have to deal with like possible property damage. And left. Yeah. yeah. They, so like, they All the officers took their personal stuff yeah. and then they put plywood and stuff in the windows and put yeah. some fencing around it and then they just left. Yeah. <clears throat> and so that's when the autonomous zone was erected around this police precinct. And they left partially because there are houses and businesses connected to the precinct. It's like on a corner. Mm-hmm. And so on the back of it, there's houses and there's businesses. There's like 500 residences inside of the autonomous zone. So they'd be outnumbered if. And, and really if so, if it starts to burn down, you know, yeah. if they get in there and a fire gets started, like the church caught on fire. There's other been fires, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not blaming malicious anything, but if a fire gets started in there, people are going to die. Businesses are going to burn. Houses are going to burn. And yeah. so the cops are like, we're just not even going to, we're just going to board it up and it we're not even going to avoid collateral damage at that point. Yeah. And, and, and innocence getting caught up in whatever is going on outside. And I also want to mention as we're going through the story that same day that that's happening, um, <laughs> There are reports from protesters on the ground that the Proud Boys, a far-right extremist group... Um, are- Formerly created by Gavin McGinnis. Who, yeah, we talked about this a little bit before. Yeah, um, yeah. And so he separated himself because they were getting racist and extremists. He's like, that's not why I started this. Um, and so there are reports from the protesters on the ground. Like, we saw the Proud Boys in their cars loading up guns. They're going to come here. They're going to attack. So that's also part of the justification for the John Brown Gun Club showing up. Gotcha. Okay. It's important to say mm-hmm. the Proud Boys never showed up. Mm-mm. No one ever saw them. Okay. So there's reports of them loading magazines in AR-15s in cars, but they never showed up. Right. So So this rapper Raz. Raz, yeah, Raz Simone. Simone. Yeah. yeah. So did you know of him before this happened? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Worked. He's like a big yeah, yeah. in Pretty the local prominent. scene. Yeah. So, so where does he fit into that? Because I've heard conflicting He's, stories. Like he was like the, the first one to kind of come in with an armed group to kind of make sure everybody just calms the fuck down. Yeah, yeah. And then 
And then the, I don't know. He's not affiliated with the John Brown Gun Club, is he? I don't believe so. And I don't. So it was know, hard for me to try to find a connection between the two. And I don't know whether or not he's like a one of the formal leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement. I know, like, I would assume at least at this point he's affiliated, but I don't yeah. know whether or not he's like one of the leaders. You know, mm-hmm. there's part of the leadership style of black lives matter is similar to i'm not comparing the groups but similar to antifa in like a horizontally organized leadership system that there's dispersed yeah uh, there's dispersed affiliation yeah there's not one individual leader it's a series of people that are all like at the top of different groups working for like one collective idea you Mm -hmm. know and antifa is led again i'm not comparing the ideology of the group just the construction it runs very similarly that in order to avoid a fucking government killing like happened to Martin Luther King and Malcolm X dispersing the responsibilities so you can't pick one figurehead to try and end this which mm-hmm. I was thinking about this morning right I was watching a documentary called The 13th on Netflix have you seen I, this I haven't seen, yeah, seen this before uh, it's, seen it's, yeah, it's about the prison system and stuff like yeah, that they're playing that on repeat um, in the chats by the way yeah, right right and so one of the things um, I just love that name the Chaz Van sounds Jones sounds so Seattle Van Jones was one of the people in that oh, shit. documentary and so he was talking about about that idea and that was one thing he thought was good about the Black Lives Matter movement was that that couldn't happen it it mm-hmm. stopped them from being able to try and cut the movement off from taking out the leader you know and I thought that was interesting because one of the ideas or thoughts that I've had is I think and I have to think more about it now um, is I've thought that it harms the movement to not have one singular voice leading it to have one person to be able to discuss ideas and like move forward with so um and i've discussed that with like with josh keaton you know that like we were thinking about that this it's it's potentially harmful to have numerous different people expressing a similar but also slightly different idea you know because a lot of the people um at least one day in particular that I was watching last week when we were recording, they had like four or five different leaders from Black Lives Matter um, that were being interviewed on this show. And they were all from different groups that were doing something similar, but going about it in a different way. Right. So one of them, I think, was called Project Zero. And they were working oh, on yeah. like database solutions to like systemic racism. Right. And so that's like their thing was database in particular. And so mm-hmm. all of the same or similar goal with different ways of going about it, you know, um, which I don't think is an, is an inherently bad thing to be going about it a different way. You know, well, let's but, talk about that idea yeah. for a second. Cause right when, you know, the whole thing was starting to pop off on Saturday. And I think I'd spent that night trying to record something to get some thoughts out there. And I had expressed concern, which I ended up not releasing obviously, but I express concern in this idea that without a singular message um, or a singular leader that can and can create that singular message, right? right? The movement essentially has a greater chance of just kind of disappearing, dissolving, just because there's not this giant force behind it driving at that one goal. Now, I wonder the validity of that. You know, is it more important to have a dispersed movement or is it more important to have a more singularly focused movement? What do you think about that? Have you used this something you've thought about before? No, it's not something I thought about. Um, I think 
Because you, you, just what you were saying right now, it just kind of made yeah. that, me think about that. I'm like, I think we should talk about that for a second. Yeah. Pluses, minuses, pros, cons. I only ask you if you thought about it before, just so everyone knows that like it's okay to be thinking aloud. You know? so yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're not pinned down to anything you're saying now. No one needs to come at you and be like, well, you fucking said this on the podcast. No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. You're thinking out loud, so it's, you know. My initial thought is probably going to be like always my like main thought on it is – I think it's just different times. I think back then when media wasn't as easily accessible, it was mm-hmm. easier to have one person. You know, you kind of needed that one person. You couldn't have 10 different Martin Luther Kings. Yeah. You know, because like, yeah. there's different there's different movements, right? Because there was Martin Luther King, there was Malcolm X, and there was like the Rosa Parks of the world. Right. But those are the names you remember. You don't remember all the other names. And it's kind of better, I think, that they don't have names or anything like that I, don't, I just think it's too big to have just that one person that's leading all of it yeah i think it's just it's inevitable at this point i don't think it's oh i don't think there is a way to have that one person that's leading a whole movement mm-hmm. and i think that like, there's validity to that because um just to use malcolm x as an example right one of the things i learned was he was constantly traveling around the country to establish different churches you know to to convert them to this ideology for them to be preaching that same message mm-hmm. and it's not like they couldn't send the other people and that's why malcolm x was constantly traveling is because he was the one that delivered the message the best most clearly in mm-hmm. the perfect amount of time in the most beautiful way you know and so i think that that's it was harder to spread that video clip of him you know mm-hmm. around the united states whereas you can have one person just at a rally videoing this entire speech from one person then everyone can see it Mm-hmm. You know, that dude doesn't have to travel all around the. I think that's very interesting. So at this point, maybe the message is so broadly appealing that you don't necessarily require one voice. And that, especially because I think. it's 2020 now, we have social media. So yeah. one singular leader doesn't have to go from state to state to state to city to city to city to try to spread that message because it's not going to make it in the newspapers and it's not going to show up on broadcast television that night. Because it's the fucking sixties and that stuff doesn't exist. But nowadays, one one person with a live feed, done. Yeah. But I still and feel I, like the pro in my mind is that you can get the entire fucking world on board. Mm-hmm. Because it is at this point. The entire world. We're seeing protests in great numbers all across the globe in different cities. Mostly westernized cities, but you know, that kind of comes with the Western culture. Right. Um but at the same time, if everybody gets out there, it makes a fuck ton of noise. If there's not a single leader or a small group of individuals that can essentially bring those concerns up to the level where legislation is required, laws are written, regulations are changed or updated or so on and so forth. At this point, are we just all taking a chance that that protesting and, and screaming loud enough wakes up our politi- you know, our our betters up in the elite politician realm to to try to do what we want them to do? Well, so I, I, I kind of feel like there there might be some pluses that that it has a greater tension, but is the ultimate goal now a little bit more hazy because it's just. Because there's so many voices. And I think there's definitely something to that as far as, I think, I'm so glad you said that, as far as clarity of the message goes, because you have, because it's on social media and it's Mm -hmm. so widely appealing and people are down for the general, I think... I think the most base thing you could boil it down to is, like, everybody at this point, regardless of where they're... 
they're out there or they're just at home not saying anything or they're whatever like i think at the base we can all agree there's a fucking problem with police brutality in this country and regardless of why you are out there everyone can agree with that right Mm -hmm. because there's some people that are there i'm here to just to take down capitalism right i'm here to change some laws i'm here to do this so there's people there for different goals in, but in the long run, it's one thing we can all agree on, right? But so as part of yeah, the longer it goes, the more voices and take. But the because clearer the big picture becomes, and a lot of, and I think that it's becoming, like you said, very unclear because so many people are able to talk and express their individual message. You know, mm-hmm. you have if you're not saying this particular thing, then you're not saying the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. and we even have people like our friend that. We we said the same thing we just said that no we we stand for equality for all people we always have we do, we are here to defend what is good as we have always been mm-hmm. that's not good enough you know yeah. and that's that's an example for one person but she's not the only one you know that person's not the only one in the United States that would make that same argument there is yeah. thousands of people that would say that same thing to us for different reasons you know even though the end goal we is share the is the exact same. Well, see, that's the thing. I don't even think. Okay, and this, you know, and that's what concerns with me all of this, is right? that's that's one of my big concerns is that people are not able to maybe just because it's right now and it's so emotional, right? But mm-hmm. people are not able to have like a simplistic. I feel in a lot of cases a simplistically agreeing message see, without being gonna, very specific. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, see, now I'm going to contradict myself because. I don't think that there is a simplistic solution. Like, I don't think this ends... Not solution, but expression. This doesn't end know? at police brutality. Yeah. this That police brutality is a symptom of what is fucking wrong. Uh, yeah. Period. And I think it goes way, way deeper down to the actual social level, the education level, everything. So at that point, can you even paint a target on the actual problem? Yeah, it, so I'll, I'm trying to actually. Yep. So I think so that. All right, so where it kind of gets like filtered and watered down is the issue. Is you have to address everything. Only one thing at a time, and like if you literally just hashtag like one thing at a time, that's really what it'll. That's the only way it'll actually work. If you just address everything one step at a time, because like a stepped process. Yeah, it has hit to be a step, step process. You can't hit, hit everything step. at once because it's. It's one thing, if everything like kind of opens up and you want to hit everything all at once, only certain things are going to go through, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you focus on one thing, get that thing to go through, all right, cool, we did our job with that. Let's Step move on to done. something else. Exactly. So as far as like Black Lives Matter movement, which I honestly thought it never had the best name. I thought it should always just be Black Lives Matter as well or also, because you got the people that just look at it. There's two different ways to interpret it, right? Yeah. There's the reasonable way, and then there's the way of, oh, Black Lives Matter. Trigger culture. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, yeah. that's how you get the all lives matter. Exactly. And then so, you have reasonable people saying stupid shit. Exactly. You know, where you have, I got fucking family members saying shit like that. That's like, I I know because I know. I'm your family member at your core. Exactly. You're not a fucking idiot. You're not. But you're just you're getting so pissed off. Interpreting yeah. it completely yeah. wrong. So I'm I, so glad you said that. I it think never had so the best. No, the name's yeah. awful, I think, but. That's fuck the it, we're, we're already here. Though. Yeah, it's we're hard already to here. to find something that's 
brought Defund enough to the police. everybody. It's, yeah, exactly. re- reconstruct the police. You know, yeah. that's all it is. There's but, a thousand better ways which to... Which is why it's so fucking important to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it is. No, I agree. I think, yeah, but you just have to focus... Because I, like, bring my brother back into this, right? So since the whole police thing, like... I think Black Lives Ma- Black Lives Matter attack that whenever, if ever, that ever actually does work, right? In racism, in police brutality, those two things you wouldn't imagine shouldn't be that hard, right? For what, however as long as it takes, and then you move on to the next thing. If we could protest, I say two months per per issue for the rest of our lives, imagine what would actually get done, what will actually get accomplished, you know? Yeah. But God damn it. I'm so, what do you, world, though. so that being said, what do you think is the first, do you think this, what do you think is the first step in this process? Do you think that it is the message of Black Lives Matter? Do you think that it is police brutality in general? Do you think that, <clears throat> because let me, I'll give you a second to think, right? Yeah, because yeah. I, on the spot for because, a second. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a. Uh, right. Um, and again, this the reason is, I say that is because you're sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying disclaimer again. Most of what we do on this podcast is think out loud. Yeah. So that's and the you don't have to be married to whatever you say right off the bat. The reason I ask you that is almost to clarify what I said earlier. Right. So the last time I was here, I think I was. I mean, it's going to take weeks for us to really boil down what we've been talking about. But I've been talking to my wife, obviously every day about what's going on and i have been consistently talking to my mom anybody who's fucking asked me about it you know that i i believe at the risk of taking heat on the internet that there is a larger picture here and a larger discussion about what's going on in this country in regards to the militarization of the police in regards to the dissolving of the Fourth Amendment in regards to the dissolving of the Second Amendment in regards to the dissolving of the First Amendment, people's rights being taken away in general, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of this... Taken away or infringed upon. Infringed upon, chiseled at, whatever word you want to use. Taken away is probably too extreme. Infringed upon is probably the best way. And I think that this movement that's going on and the black community have been an extremely easy target for these things for a very long time Mm -hmm. so i think it's very easy to get lost especially right now especially after something like the death of george floyd brianna taylor a series of events like this i think it's extremely easy for that to be the focal point of what's going on but i think that there is a larger discussion that is not to brush over this discussion right but a larger discussion of this is happening to the black community or has for so long because it's been easy because they've been able politicians, whoever you want to attribute the they to right, have been able to enshrine things a lot to make it simple because in the beginning they were slaves and we can just do this this whole time, right? Testing things out to the point that you're, you're now talking about, like we did the last time the coronavirus happens and the governor is using people's cell phone signals, their GPS signals to find out who is home and who is not. Yeah. Right. Something so simple as this, right tested out for what am i talking about uh having to stay at home instead of um yeah, being not, in jail no 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 like if you instead of going to jail home monitoring what the fuck is that called house arrest thank you right house arrest having like oh, literal, shit, yeah, literal gps signals on people to know where they're at all the time to know whether or not you're doing the right thing that we want you to be doing 
Fuck, I have never put Theories those two things together before. Beginning here at people that in the 60s, people didn't give a fuck because white people were racist. Before that, people didn't give a fuck because white people were racist. And shit could happen to black people and it could be brushed over by the media and by whoever and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know? And because it's been happening for so long, it's easy and, and right to be upset about this. But there is a larger discussion of it's happening to this group of people that's been so easy to exploit for so long. It is happening to fucking everybody. And it's something that has to be stopped now. Mm-hmm. Before it happens to everybody. And it doesn't... I'm not saying that it's like, oh, now's the time. If it's, you know, but it's... If it can happen to one person, it can happen to everybody. And it's uh-huh. not going to stop here. You know, we've seen it's not going to stop here. We've seen fucking Duncan Limp get shot through the, through the door of his house. Yeah. So I don't remember what his name was. I was telling Jordan about all week. There's a video of a guy in the hallway of a hotel where something is happening. No, and no, the no, police no, the are. Guy? Yes. Oh, the police are yelling different directions at him because they can't figure out what the fuck they want him to do. And he ends up getting shot in the goddamn face. Yep. You know what no I'm way. saying? It, no, it doesn't. Dude. And I'm I'm not again. I'm not saying like, oh, dude, it's all lives matter. I the color doesn't matter. I'm talking about literal rights being infringed upon. You are an innocent man, regardless of your color, trying to do the right thing, trying to escape from a potentially dangerous scenario, and the fucking police shoot you in the face because they can't give you consistent directions. Mm-hmm. This is not. This is not about color. No. This this. People are being murdered by a protective. It's there are larger problems here, man. So and this it's, it's, it's concerning. almost like if you fix the police brutality problem, you fix the racist police brutality problem. And so is that kind I of- I say that because I think that there's validity to what I let to what Elijah is saying in working in steps, right? Because yes. you can't tackle. The first, second, and fourth amendment all at the same time. You it's that's way too big of a problem to be like, we need to make sure that we secure all these things at one time. There's not one thing, even a law or another amendment that you could ratify to secure all three at the same time. Can't do it. Has to be done in steps, right? That I think at that point, once we acknowledge that, and I'm thinking out loud here because I never thought about what he said before about it having yeah. to be done in steps, right? But if this is the problem, if this is the problem I'm seeing, all these things have got to be done one piece at a time, right? Which one's the most important? If you ask me, because we're seeing people getting tear gas on the street and shot in the face with rubber bullets, it's the Second Amendment. Journalists you secure that eyes. bitch. You secure that bitch because it's number two when the first doesn't work. Okay. Okay, and so, okay, so, if I have to answer now, that's what I would say, right? And I don't, maybe police brutality is the right thing to do. Maybe it's race relations, whatever the name we put on it last week, whatever. I don't know, you know, but there's something larger here mm-hmm. at work. Um, that Which I is think, why I think people get so passionate about it. And I think it's being distracted easily, like I said, from, from history, from the media, from academia, from social justice, from everybody. There's anybody who is trying to use this event these protests these riots whatever the fuck you want to call them to their advantage to take away from the larger message of the bill of rights being eroded piece by piece regulation by regulation by and, regulation and that is not me saying this doesn't matter this matters this this issue that there are numbers you cannot deny as far as prison goes uh wealth there's all kinds of things you cannot deny right i'm not here to deny systemic whatever the fuck 
You know, we talked about earlier, we live in an area where that doesn't really happen that much, you know? So I I know that I can say for sure that it is not in every corner of the United States, because in this corner of the United States, it doesn't really happen here. You know, I can safely say that, but I would never say it doesn't exist, because that's an ignorant thing to say. But did I ever tell you when I was was taking some college classes online a few years ago, I think before we started this? When you were working at Bennick, I remember that. Yeah, and I had done a history project on like a local... I don't remember exactly what topic was or something like that, but through my research at the time, I discovered this this problem with um, Seattle around the 60s era when everything was clearly segregated, right? Redlining and, and stuff. It, yeah. Yeah. And to this day, there are still ancestral lease documents right right, right. Old that are stuff. that people still i mean you get a packet of fucking 20 pages the fonts this fucking big so right. nobody's reading it but if you were to look at that you'll you'll see language in there to this day that i'm just saying that nobody probably assumes is there because nobody's actually read right. the fucking contract right i'm not services, saying it didn't right? right i would never but, yeah. s- but it's wild how it's still yeah. those those hanger-ons from an era long past still exist today that you could still find and see now touch on systemic fill in the blank systemic racism systemic whatever the fuck oppression i have a problem with the word being used systemic yeah because systemic means that legally regulatorily you know there is something in black and white that you can be held legally in a court of law that says this is illegal. So that w- that would be a systemic oppression. Jim Crow laws, systemically racist, right? Right. It is illegal now in the United States to have any law or regulation on the books that is systemically racist. But that aside, I think that's kind of a technicality, a kind of loophole that people use to say, well, we're not we're not systemically racist, right? right? We're, we're not. They're but, reverberations from said system. Yes. Yeah. Which societally have become systemic. Yeah. Right. And that I think is the most important problem because you can't write it out in the law because it's already fucking illegal. Yeah. But the problem is, is to get people to act on that and to think that way is a lot harder than just striking a law or striking a regulation. Yeah. And then you're having to deal with like older generations passing on their fucking hatred and so on and so forth down through the generations to end up to people that we have today that are they're incredibly racist but for no fucking reason other than that's what they heard from their their parents and their grandparents so on and so forth and they their minds just haven't opened up joe rogan had on oh i can't remember his name is it daryl davis the guy that has basically Spent a living playing blues music, right, blues music right, right. and converting white supremacists, white yeah. like actual like the actual fucking was it the Grand Dragon at at some era of a fucking KKK, yeah. Having them turn in their fucking robes and be like, dude, you've you've brought me around to this because I'm now realizing after just having a single conversation at a bar with this guy, starting this relationship over a period of years that made him realize that you're just a regular dude. And you're smarter than me. Yeah. And if my fucking bullshit racist ideology relies on you being inferior and, you know, less than me, you've literally proven to me by just sitting here talking to me like a goddamn human that my racism is is misplaced. Yeah. And he's converted. 
a ridiculous amount. I got to get that fucking book, by yeah. the way. But it's just, I feel like the problem, one of the major problems here, because there's a billion problems about how to fix this, which is, I think, why it's global, because it speaks to a deeper truth that we all know is fucking wrong and needs to change. But we don't know, like you said, where to start, how to start, and what really to do, because it is so deeply rooted. Yeah. And where where do you attack? How do you get down to the actual cancer itself that's causing us to lose the arm? You so know what, what I mean? Well, where you at, man? Yeah, man. All right. Um, I've been seeing you staying high. Yeah, I've been I seeing like you think. I should have given you some paper before. No, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. We need to have a guest notebook for them to write things down. There you go. That's that's part of why I have paper so that well, if I'm like the I real problem is we bounce around so fucking much yeah. it makes it hard sometimes. It's, I mean, it was, it was easy to keep up with though. It's all interesting. It's all relevant. I think. I'm real whole, happy you're here, man. Real happy. No, you're here. I appreciate it. I'm glad I'm here too, man. Thank you. I'll drink to that too. Fuck it. Yeah, well, we are definitely going to talk about music pretty soon. I swear to God. <laughs> oh, <for sure. laughs> I can. Yeah, I cannot believe this is. That's how you know it's good is because you know well, we have I no mean, idea. Some real shit going on though. It's been, yeah, it's so. been a hard two weeks for fucking everybody. Yeah, whether everybody. you're directly affected or not. Like I'm talking to friends and family and stuff that are having massive problems now at yeah. home. Yeah, just right. talking to their significant others and shit. It's like. That speaks to the problem. Yeah. All right. So, so where you at? Um, so I think the whole BLM movement, I think it's, the roots of it is racism. I think that's what it's really supposed to be is like, how do we get rid of racism? Now, if you ask me what's the easier thing and what's the more, not going to say bigger picture, because the biggest thing would be the end racism, right? Across the board from race to race. And Certainly. Color to color. Like the more productive. That would make... Land. The overall cloud of it is, right, eliminate threat. Really, that's the main word here, right? People if you to be see, happy. Yeah. yeah, just be happy. If I see Winnie the Pooh right there and I think, oh, yellow is a threat to me, how do I change my mind about that, right? So that moves into blue, uh, police brutality, I think. And as far as that goes, that's always been an ongoing thing. But it also comes back into the word threat. Why do you see this as a threat? Why do you... You know, X, Y, and Z. How do we, how do we train that? How do we re, mm-hmm. I don't know. How do we readdress these things? Reconfigure it almost. Is yeah. that something you've talked to your brother about? No, not really. Cause my brother's very stern. Like you have to, I like to view him as a good cop, whether his colleagues, I would imagine they do. Cause he's pretty high up at his job. Right. But to, I know him personally to be who he is. You have to be an asshole. You have to be stern. But you also have to know right and wrong. And I asked him, I haven't asked him about the Minnesota thing. I asked him, well, I asked him about the murder, I guess. And he said his only thing was, obviously what happened sucks. But the only thing he can actually do right now is make sure that the people that are under him and the people that work side by side to him are probably trained and know right and wrong. That's that's all you really can do. And like, even though that kind of seems blunt, doesn't really seem like the most empathetic reaction it's the truth though it's like mm-hmm. unfortunately we can't take back that life right and like more and more needs to stop dying due to that every but day but it's got to be retrained they have to mm-hmm. it's almost like you work in like a workforce right if someone chops their finger off on a machine all right you stop OSHA comes through it's like why did this happen yeah how do we prevent this right that needs to happen this? consistently on a regular basis because 
I forgot who it was. I think it was Dave Chappelle that said is like, or no, it's Chris Rock. Cops can't be bad, man. Like their job entails bad because you don't call the cops like, hey, we're having a barbecue. You don't call the cops for that. Right. You don't call yeah. the cops for like, hey, we have an ice cream truck. Bad here. shit's happening. Bad yeah. stuff happens. And that's the reason why cops get called. Same thing in firefighters, right? Mm-hmm. But firefighters more than often save lives compared to cops because cops have that job title that ensues that they might shoot somebody, right? Enforce the law. So their job calls for badness, but not every cop's bad by any means. Mm-hmm. So I'd like I'd, to think that most cops are good. Of you course. Like yeah, that, of right? course. That's well, how you should think, right? And I agree with that. And it's mm-hmm. certainly refreshing to hear you say that because at a lot of, you know, the more extreme, I mean, in a lot of just the protests, there's so much discussion. All cops are bastards. You know, there's no, no good cops. Like it's not, you know, until this is defunded, until it's abolished, mm-hmm. there's no, no good cops, you know? Well, I think and I think that's a really hard that's a hard logical thing to say to people mm-hmm. you know because you're going to have people who like fucking Elijah that cross this boundary of like why well, I'm black but also my brother's a cop and I know that not all cops are bad just because some cops kill people yeah. you know but you can't express that view mm-hmm. without being told that you are counter to what's going on for sure you know yeah. and that's like it, it's it's because it's made to seem like you're saying, oh, well, all lives matter. And that's not the argument that you're saying by saying we need to not be shitting on every police officer that we see. Mm-hmm. Because we that's went to school fair. with people that are yeah, police officers now, yeah. and we know who they are as people, and they're not shit. We fucking know Officer Brian. We know that Officer yeah. Brian is not a piece of shit just because he's a cop. We you know, Officer Brian like the, You know what I'm saying? Like, that, it just doesn't logically wash, but mm-hmm. you can't even say that without it being turned out to being racist, you know? And that seems so backwards. Well, I think there's another more complex layer on this. When you think about it, I know I have this problem, and I've worked right next to cops. When I worked for the Coast Guard, you know, we're a law enforcement branch primarily and all that. We work hand-in-hand with a lot of cops, right? I would work with the same three cops for for three years at this certain station because they had their boat, at our boat launch. And oh, so okay. we, they were just always there. We became great friends with them and all this stuff. But that still doesn't, knowing that those people are human and they're good dudes and all this good stuff, and knowing that that's probably the vast majority of the people that are in that job, it doesn't, I still get nervous if a cop gets behind me on the freeway certainly i still will like i have a serious problem with it i will like take the next fucking turn wherever the fuck it is so that i so he's not back there i because but that that i think speaks more to the the overall misuse of law enforcement in general not even broaching the actual you know because I'm, I can't believe I'm going to say this because I have my white privilege. You know, I'm not worried that if I get pulled over by the cop, that I'm going to get shot. I don't have a I don't have a gun with me. I'm I'm of the quote unquote right skin color to be able to not have to worry about that. That would be like the the lefty white privilege argument, right? Like I don't have a systemic reason to be terrified of a cop if he pulls me over, but I still am. Because that is the that's the government's enforcement arm 
coming into my life to try to take money out of my pocket and strip my rights away and throw me in a fucking cage for something ridiculous. I didn't do anything wrong. Maybe I broke a speed limit. Maybe I got a fucking taillight out. Whatever the fuck. It's not going to stop my heart from racing. Yeah. Right? Until you can fix that problem, you're not going to fix anybody's problem. And there's no regulation or law that you can bring in to to fix that. Yeah. That has to be fixed on a societal level so that nobody should be afraid of the cops. Everybody, it's like the good old day. If you watch old movies from like the 50s and shit, like mm-hmm. the cops were like, everybody knew their name. They walked around town. Everybody fucking knew who they were. And the cops knew everyone in town, like that local policing. So that kind of brings us a little bit to that kind of defund, abolish police you know, discussion that's happening. Right. I think something needs to literally systemically change in law enforcement to start a new relationship between law enforcement and the citizenry, regardless of race at that point. Like, no citizen should be afraid of law enforcement. Yeah. They should be there to protect and serve, not try to write tickets because it's the fucking end of the month. You tell me driving around Kitsap County this last month at the the last two days of the month, I couldn't drive five miles without seeing a fucking state patrol on the side of the road or a sheriff's deputy on the side of the road trying to get somebody so they can get that fucking tax revenue for the fucking state or the county or whatever municipality they fucking work for. Until you fix that, I think you you can fix that along with police brutality. So if we're looking at it in steps like we're talking about, you address policing and law enforcement first because at that point, knowing if you can reduce the fear of law enforcement and that fucked up relationship we have with law enforcement as the citizenry, we can go to the next step. What do you think about that, Elijah? No, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that's the only way to really address it because I think you definitely need police because I'd rather have police than anarchists. Yeah, for sure. I'd rather have as bad as it sounds. I'd rather have someone that's three to six months trained than no one, or than someone that's not trained that only knows how to shoot a gun. Because mm-hmm. regardless, that person has a little bit more knowledge on how to de-escalate a situation. Hey, so. You don't want me coming yeah. to your house to save you. That's not no. Right? No, I think that's most people, right? Yeah. I mean, my friends. I'll come save any of my friends, but you don't want me coming to your house. I don't know who yeah. you are. You know, that's no, no for good. sure. Yeah. Don doesn't need to be the informal sheriff of keyboard you know what i mean i would do it if they asked yeah right <laughs> so um so let me ask about this right because i um, think that there's really something i okay i wrote this down right oh. um <clears throat> i believe that and this is just what i wrote down so it's what i was thinking at the time right so we'll flush it out as i'm reading out so believe i believe that the problems of racial inequality need to be solved at a community level um and i've Wrote down racial inequality because that's what we were talking about at the time, but it's mm-hmm. I think reflective of the greater issue that we're of we're talking about, you know, and one of them in particular about police brutality. I think it's interesting what you said about community, right? Um, I think one of the big problems with this idea of systemic racism, like you're talking about, is like a nationalized thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that we've seen, and I. Don't, Tell me if this is not correct, right? But I think that we've seen throughout the history of the United States, but also in the last six months or so with 
with Corona, that the government, the federal government, is not equipped to help everybody at the same time. Yeah. It is not designed, nor is it capable of solving everyone's problem at the same time. Yeah. I don't believe, and I'm not saying that it's not, we don't need to enshrine as a nation, you know, things that, that ratify people's rights, but mm-hmm. I'm saying that I don't think that this problem can be solved in the same way that it can Use the and, yeah, yeah. I don't think that this problem can be solved the same way in Minneapolis that it can be in Bremerton because I don't think that they have the same problems. And so I think to address them as the same issue is extremely problematic, you mm-hmm. know? And I think it's... God damn it. I, oh, community involvement, right? Yeah. Is that I think that that is the answer to so many problems of what we have going on, right? And let me give you like a really weird example that made me start thinking about this. Last week, we're walking around Keyport, right? And there's a woman who lives in Keyport, shout out, her name is Mrs. P, right? Mrs. P? How old is Mrs. P, babe? Jesus only knows. <laughs> wow. Older than shit, right? Mrs. P has a husband who works and she has like super severe dementia, right? Oh boy. So Mrs. P <laughs> sounds like kind walks, of a fun combination. walks around Keyport all day. Uh-huh. Right, walks around, has a piece of paper in her hand. She walks down to the Merc, the little store, the Mercantile in Keyport. When they go down there, they you know make her something. They write down on the piece of paper what day it is, the date, what time she came down, and whether or not she's got her mail already. She goes, she checks oh. her mail twice a day. She just walks around Keyboard. People just keep an eye on her. They just That's watch nice. her, right? She's able to safely walk around the neighborhood, and like people are just watching her, right? So the first time Jordan worked at the Mercantile, so she knows this whole story. So we so talked. The whole see- community is taking care of one person Everyone. who needs help. Everyone. Right, and so I get so I goosebumps. So the first time, right? Oh. Jordan's told me about this one before, and so she'll go to the Merc like once or twice a day, checks her mail twice a day, right? So we saw her twice on our walk around Keyport, and she stopped and said just almost the exact same thing both times, right? Oh. And so I was like, okay, what the fuck? Like is happening. So she explains this to me, and I'm like, oh my god, I remember you saying this, right? And at first, I'm disturbed at the idea of people allowing a woman who's mentally ill to walk the streets and just do whatever she wants, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, no, because they're taking care of her. Like, she's not in danger. Jordan's like, she's walked in the water a couple of times. Someone noticed every single time. Saw her do it. Went out and helped her. Someone's watching her. They're keeping an eye on her, right? I just told a story about a woman named Mrs. P. Has dementia who lives in Keyport. That's where we live. And the whole community keeps an eye on her. She, like, has a piece of paper they write down at the little store in Keyport. Like, whether or not she's been down there and what time and date and stuff like that. So that when she goes home and takes a nap, she knows what she's done that day. That's good. And so everyone yeah. in, in the community just just watches her. She just walks mm-hmm. around, does whatever she wants, you know. And that's, that's it, mm-hmm. you know. Like, that's the answer. That is the answer is for people to give a shit about – and not and not even give a shit, right? Because I care – that my neighbors are humans. I care that they're people. I care for their safety. Neighbor across the street, he's a real asshole, lets his dog shit on my lawn. <laughs> if I knew that he was in trouble, I would still run into his house to save him and his family. I would do yeah. it. I would do it because he's a fucking human being and he deserves it. Mm-hmm. Don't like him. Don't want to hang out with him. I would heavily consider not doing him a favor if he asked me for something, you know? <laughs> that's a problem. Like, that's that's a problem. Just in general that people have, that they don't know their neighbors. They don't care about their neighbors as a standard person as opposed to, like, human beings. I think everyone cares, like I said, about their neighbors as at a base level of yeah. a human being, you know? But I don't think people are like, well, I'm going to wait until my neighbor goes inside before I go out and take my trash out so I don't have to see my neighbor when I go out there. So maybe I won't see him. So I don't have to have that 
for how for how long I don't care were Jordan and I willing to fucking drive to Pogbo to buy things instead of Silverdale or Bremen because we didn't want to run to people that we knew from high school because yeah. I don't want to have yeah. to stop and talk to them you know yeah. that's shitty that's fucked up I don't like small talk you know but that's the shit that's like it disconnects you from the world that's immediately around you you know and if we're not tapped into what the problems are with our immediate community then we don't have any way to solve it. We just prescribe to national issues of things that are going on. When, like the example I gave to Colin is like the things that will help in Minneapolis are not the things that will help in Bremerton. No, you know they're completely different issues. And if you try and subscribe that same treatment to Bremerton as you do to Minneapolis, it's not going to work. People are going to get really upset in one place or another. There's going to be people that get upset because it doesn't work for them. It's not the same thing. You know, this issue. And most issues, they need to be solved on a community basis, whether that's in the town, whether it's the county, the state, however, you know, but it needs to be decided by the people who live here and know what's going on, you know, but if we don't have even our finger on the pulse of our town, then we don't have any fucking idea on how to solve it, you know, and I don't think that it's inherently a bad thing for people to be having protests in Bremerton and in Silverdale for what's going on, you know? But I think that it's really hard for a lot of older people especially to understand the connection between a protest in Bremerton and a protest in Minneapolis where George Floyd was killed, you know? And I'm not saying that that's the correct way to see it, but for people who are 70, 80 years old who grew up in a different time, they're unable to see that connection, you know? I feel that it may provide more long-term value to this cause if it's addressed on a community level so that we can talk about the things nationally that are an issue and the way that they reflect on this community this is the way that we see them here you know we don't see it the way that it happens here but this is how this translates into our area you know and i think a good way the redlining laws are not laws but verbiage that you're talking about you know that doesn't happen here anymore. You won't be denied a house for being black now. But, 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 how, many, but how many people know that that's in their housing documents? You know, tell people that. Because if you're if you're telling people that, they're like, shit, I'm not separated from this. All these people are like, I'm not racist. I know cops. I know all this stuff. The same people that are saying all lives matter, not because they're racist, but because they're upset about their views, their feelings not being represented. Show them. We understand your cousin who's a cop, your brother who's a cop is not killing people because of their race. But look at the way that this has reflected on where we're at. Mm -hmm. This does exist. This has happened. And this is the way that it translated to this area. So now understand the bigger picture of what's going on. And let's fucking do something about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like, if you don't see it in your backyard, then you don't really give a shit. You know, it's way easier to not give a shit. And if you don't see police brutality in our area because it's not a huge issue, and if you don't see systemic racism in our area because it's not a huge issue, really easy to be disconnected from that. You know, really easy to just, like, it's, you know, fucking Atlanta, fucking Minneapolis, you know, fucking Michigan, fucking Chicago, like... And then you go, fucking Seattle. Do you know what I'm saying? But it's not that simple. And that's what we've been talking this whole time. Yeah. It's not so simple. It's not it as easy to disconnect, you know. But if you're not able to draw a connection to your own community, it's so easy for so many people to be disconnected from it. Well, I think that also lies a problem that to fix policing, policing cannot be fixed on a national level. Oh, because it's a problem. Because there is no – there's that's no the problem. We don't have a federal police force. We do. It's called the FBI. Right. 
but every have- it's all state and down. We have the state troopers who the governor can can make laws so that they mm-hmm. can do whatever the fuck. And I'm sure the governor can make certain state laws to have the municipalities change their laws and so on and so forth. But it's got to go state, it's got to go county, and it's got to go city. They're just point. fiscally tied. And so that's why the big call is for like a defund the police, you know? And before we move on to that, I want to ask you if you have any thoughts about, we're talking about like community and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. I was actually going to, I was going to combat you with, um, because you brought up 70 and whatever, six-year-olds or whatever. So let's just say like 50 and older, right? Now, how many 50 and olders do we know that have Facebook? Almost all of them, right? A lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them, right? So I think a lot of the news gets filtered down and watered down through Facebook. Yes. Oh, so I, huge. Yes. I think a lot of them should get encouraged to get a Twitter and then follow the right people. Because that's yeah. where you see the raw. That's People that hate Twitter stuff. just don't know what Twitter is. The yeah, friend that we yeah. have that came at us all twisted about the way yeah. he doesn't have a Twitter. See, that's the thing. You and know, that's controls. you. You follow me on Twitter. I'm all goddamn time I'm on yeah, Twitter. I've been yeah, this, right. the shit that I yeah. do not say on Facebook because I fucking hate Facebook. Yeah. The shit that I don't say on Instagram because I don't like Instagram. I'm on Twitter all the goddamn time where the saying the shit is. that I'm saying here. You yeah. know. So the same woman, the same person who accuses us of us being silent and not not staying up for anything. You don't even see anything that we're saying because this is where this is happening. This is where this discussion is happening. This is where, yeah, I think the, think the way that things get filtered through media and social media is a huge, huge problem. You know, like I was talking about mm-hmm. CNN just reporting on the autonomous zone. You know, it's oh. all full of lies. Yeah. There was one day last week where James got asked about the autonomous zone and he's oh like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I saw that. And then the very next day, CNN interviews him about the autonomous zone and he says no nothing illegal is going on there so tell me why you're using this guy as a credible source when 24 hours before he said he's never heard of it but that's what cnn is using as a source someone who is admittedly not credible on this on this situation you know the the most trusted name in news is just a whole article full of lies you know but that's the shit that that, like you said, that the older generation is looking at. Because when they were growing up, CNN was legit. You could trust CNN. You could Good. trust these news companies, Walter Cronkite, these motherfuckers. You could trust them. Mm-hmm. You know, they were reporting real shit. And now they're literally lying on the internet and don't care. Because people like Mehdi Hassan, that's how I saw it. Mehdi Hassan retweeted it. And it's like, yeah, this motherfucker, oh, they're talking about this shit. They don't even know what they're talking about. It's like, Doug, you're lying. You're you're perpetuating lies and what's going on here. And you don't even care, mm-hmm. you know? And that's a hard reality to, for people who've been on both sides of the technological gap, you know, I think a hard line to, to cross. Um, because it's it's a dark dark thing the way that media is using social media you know but it's also social media that has exposed problems like people being murdered by the police mm-hmm. to everybody so that we can all see it and realize it's a problem and try and do something about it you know and so there's this real double-edged sword aspect to social media of what it provides and at the same time how horrible and fucking destructive it is to people's lives themselves personally you know mm-hmm. comparison like to other people and shit like that and well, i hate to say it man but there is almost as much res- um say self-responsibility there's almost there's almost as much responsibility put on oneself to 
go on and get your news or whatever it is from social media as there is for someone you obtaining and using a firearm. Like, yeah. It is up to you to know what you are doing in a responsible manner when you go when you try to read your news feed and you see all this stuff on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter. You can't take any of that stuff as verbatim fact. You need to do the time and the research to figure out whether that one statement right there that really got you triggered somewhere emotionally or whatever the fuck and you want to fucking tweet something real quick, you want to be a, you want to have a reactionary statement. You need to stop, check yourself, figure out where the fuck you are, look at what that guy is saying, what that person is saying, and then find out if it's fucking true because it's who knows if it is or not. It's a total crapshoot. And then you can formulate your opinion and say what you want off of that. Yeah. It's there's no difference in there's no difference in social media now than it is to watch in any mainstream media outlet. It's it's a sad truth that easy access to information doesn't mean that information is worth a shit. Right. And I thought we all learned this in school when it was when you couldn't just uh, you couldn't fuck. use Wikipedia. You couldn't use Wikipedia. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. for somebody as old as I am, young men. Uh, how old are you? Twenty-five. We graduated same no, year. Same year. Yeah. Goddamn young. <laughs> There's seven years of separation here, and time is like now, old I, man. Exactly. <laughs> like it was when I was in in high school, right? Google was not a credible source of information. You had to go to Ask Jeeves oh. or there really Ask Jeeves. One. Yes, right. Google's the only place to get information. And now look Duck, at Duck, it. DuckDuckGo is Duck, really Duck, the Go only place good. to get information. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. DuckDuckGo. My inner book boy sends me to DuckDuckGo a lot. Yeah, which I will. Say. You want real information on the book boys? Come to Salt of the Streets. Ask Marquise. Marquise knows. Does what? He? I'm, I'm really yeah, no, I got it. <laughs> it's right here. So there was one thing that I I thought about when I was in the bathroom, right? When we were talking about police and community-based, mm-hmm. you know, policing and all this stuff and how we should have a good relationship with the community. One problem in that logic. Law enforcement at one point or another throughout the, the point of their job need to be an elevated point of authority. Yeah, they're not supposed. We're not supposed to be on a good relationship with them. That's right? just kind of the nature of the beast, right? That's why I'm kind of saying like their job doesn't ensue yeah. us to be friendly with them, but them. See, ah, so weird because it's like ass backwards, but they do essentially work for the people, right? Because they're supposed yeah, to protect right. the people. Yet the people are never going to see them as equals because they're not equals. Yeah. They're not. It's always an us versus them. Human being, human being, but once you put on that uniform, you have that badge, you have a target on your back. I get that. And you also but have you, authority. And you have authority though, and that's the big A word that us citizens don't really have. We just have a bunch of our our rights, but you also have these rights, so you just get a paycheck for, yeah. you know, authority. And that's, uh, yeah, there in which lies the fucking problem. Yeah. yeah. How do we do that? How do you put certain citizens with how do you elevate them to have greater power and authority over the rest of the citizens? You know, I swear you could you do You got to pick the really the right guys, you know. And I think this was probably something I heard on Rogan this week, but I would not be opposed to paying police officers twice as much as whatever the fuck they're making now 
Depending on who, you know, we'll just call starting it salary, a shit ton of money, right? Starting salary for a police officer in Bremerton or Kitsap County Sheriff is about 60 G's a year, 62 or okay. so. Okay, round it up to 100 grand a year, but make it as difficult to become a police officer as is as difficult to become a Navy SEAL. Okay, so I agree with you. That level of, obviously not the same training. Yeah. But that level of difficulty to come in. Would that, is that something worth talking about? It's definitely something worth talking about. I think the only issue and the first issue that you would really come into a conflict is just like the military, eventually you're going to need more people. Yeah. You're always going to need more people. Like you can't, you can never say, all right, we have enough cops. We're good. We're not hiring right now, you know? Cause yeah. Cause the populace pe- is always growing. Exactly. Yeah. And people are going to call out. And if something really does hit the fan, you're going to need a lot of people that are assigned for that job right so, even now it's hard to find cops the, sh- the sheriff's office in Bremerton police are hiring oh, yeah. all the time all like the I told time, you so when yeah. I lived in Long Island I fucking saw on the billboard of the main freeway advertisements to become a Seattle PD officer That's starting crazy. salary like 72 grand or some shit I'm like I'm on the opposite side of the goddamn country they're that hard up for cops in Seattle that's crazy. Well, I would imagine Hence just why I as a sidetrack, not that this, but I would imagine that at the time that you were over there would have been around the time that Seattle was real under a real close microscope for police brutality. You know, there was a string of it's like oh, not there is in history, but there was a string of like ten years or so probably in the beginning of like the cell phone era where oh, there was yeah. like. Uh, just a string of body cameras and stuff like that when they were using them and didn't weren't thinking to turn them off yet before they beat someone's ass. There was oh, yeah. a series of allegations and also confirmed cases of police brutality within the Seattle Police Department. So I would imagine that they were losing a lot of <laughs> a lot of workers at the that recruitment time. Went down. Do you remember that we were like in junior high and high school, um, and there's. I'm, I'm not going to say every day or anything, but there was a series of, oh, yeah, just brutal motherfuckers getting their ass beat over nothing. Simple tickets, getting their ass beat. Some shit that you would expect in, like, Chicago or something happening in mm-hmm. Seattle. And you're like, what the fuck? Well, let's not forget that George Floyd died for $20. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. 20 fucking dollars. Stuff like that. I remember when we were in high school, this is a side too, but I remember in high school there was a shooting on Rainier Avenue, people getting after it just on opposite sides of the street, just shooting across the street at each other on Rainier Avenue. Shit like that happens all the time, especially along that area. Shit like that happens all the time. And I imagine it's hard to find someone who... Just sign up for that. Who signs up for it and also is a good guy at the same time. You know, there's a lot of people who... That can be a good guy twenty the whole years time. in the future. Yeah, and, and so so my thing was I was talking to a coworker, um, and we were talking about it was as bad as it sounds because if you ask someone you want to be a cop or do you want to work for your U.S. military, right? Regardless of branch, the odds of us going to a war is gonna suck, right? Because like the odds are always pretty decently high. Mm-hmm. But it happen at any time. <laughs> yeah, it could happen at any time, right? But no matter what, you have all these different jobs that are required to that job. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to actually be the one that's going to the war. Right. A yeah. cop, on the other hand, though, you are basically what the military is, just inside of America. So on the other on the other end of the spectrum, you're the one that puts on a badge, has a target on your back, has to enforce the law. It's it's almost like a, I'm not gonna say it's more difficult, but 
I would say it. Yeah, probably I mean, is. it probably is though, right? It's so. a lot more ducking and weaving and and hoops to go through versus, especially if it is an actual war, the rules become very goddamn clear very quickly. Yeah, I'd wonder if you're more statistically more likely to die as a police officer or as a member of the military. Probably, probably. I would say I'll by a lot. You probably have to pick a branch to make it. Yeah, close. make a branch. Like maybe the Marines. Like if you are yeah. more likely to die as a member of the Marine Corps or as a member of the police force nationally. I would be again, interested too. to know. And that's not that it like because doesn't like, change anything, but I'd be interested. A cop to know. in South Chicago is not going to have the same life expectancy as a cop in Seattle or a or, Kitsap County Sheriff's officer. Yeah. yeah. So how do you even weigh that fucking average? Yeah. Yeah, no, it certainly won't be uh, won't, fair yeah, across the board. No, it would be a per capita type deal. You know what the worst know? thing is? The more and more we talk about the problems, the harder and harder and more complex the problem gets. Yeah. And now I'm getting even more frustrated because even things that I thought, because this has occupied my mind, obviously, 24-7 for the last two weeks plus um, but it's like even something I thought last Monday now I'm challenging my own thoughts on oh dog hey so that's Chloe what's up show dog what's up Chloe hey Chloe she escaped sorry yes she did oh I know bear she's just so excited she's a beautiful dog the only problem is she's very vocal and she wants to be a part of the podcast Unfortunately, she loves the podcast. She does. The biggest fan, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Uh. So there. Oh, I had a segue. There's something we we I know we did want to talk about. That was the proposed legislation coming out of the House relating to police reform, right? Yeah. And a few things that were kind of broad strokes. I I kind of was going through the article this morning. And I haven't seen any proposed actual legislation yet. But essentially, not from the Senate, no. Not well, definitely not from the Senate. I did see the one black Republican senator apparently is being forced. I would, I would assume, to take up the mantle of the Republican response to legislation coming from the fucking House. Of because course. welcome to Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell's fucking Senate. But. Um, Essentially, the three things that I kind of picked out uh, from that article that you sent me from Reuters was we're looking at banning chokeholds as yeah, part of it, which yeah. thing, blah, blah, blah. which yeah, I obviously don't think is a, like an inherently bad thing. There's like I've I've heard a lot of people talk, not to interrupt you, but I've heard a lot of people talk for a long time. Joe Rogan, especially, about like police officers potentially learning learning jujitsu, you know, so that you can like restrain people in an extremely safe manner so as to know that they won't die, you know? And But every time he talks uh, about jujitsu, it's a friend <laughs> trying to kill you. Yes, but um <laughs> and so I think that like the chokeholds thing I don't think is that's okay. not bad. You know? Allowing victims of mis- uh, police, mcton- police misconduct to sue for damages. So, in other words, that's talking to that uh, – what's that type of immunity called? Protected immunity or uh, – uh, Something along those lines. Yeah. It, it, it's a form of um, I, I got immunity. You. It's right on the tip of my tongue. It's bothering me. But it's a, a form of immunity that a cop has for you know utilizing – Use of force. qualified immunity. Qualified immunity. So it's like because they're in law enforcement, these things can happen in the line of duty. So he's not directly responsible, right? Okay. And so the the removing of that 
as part of this legislation essentially makes it so that an individual police officer is individually liable for whatever they do on the job, period. And then they can be held responsible for that because they are not a military member. They did not give up their rights in lieu of a different form of rights, hence the UCMJ, so on and so forth. But they are held to a different standard, and we have a separate court system for military people, right? Right. And so – but when it comes to police, you're talking citizen on citizen. So at that point, you can make them legally liable for whatever the fuck they do in the line of duty because they are a citizen too, and they are – held to the same legal standards that everyone else should be. Yeah. As of right now, there's a lot of, like, due to that qualified immunity problem, like, there's a lot of police officers that get off after fucking performing a capital murder on somebody, right? Or don't get charged, or... Yeah. And then it was, yeah, banning chokeholds, and then the requiring the use of body cameras, which we already know, the federal government cannot mandate that from the top down, because they don't run... Police departments, right? And we heard they can release Mayor guidance, G- like yeah. federal guidance or yeah. guidelines of this is how it must be done. But yeah. the federal, I government, imagine that part would get questioned pretty hard in the courts. Yes, it certainly would. Think in more too. conservative states, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you heard Jenny Durkin, mayor of Seattle, talk about why the police don't have their body cameras on during the protests. Why was that? Because there is some legacy law that they think is just enough to maintain to this day that a a police officer cannot have their body camera on during a protest because that essentially would be surveilling private citizens exercising oh good god (laughs) that is tell me that's not (laughs) fucked up but this is coming from the most Probably one of the most progressive fucking mayors of one of the most progressive cities in the entire fucking country. And they're saying, nah, we have this we have this old law that we like because we don't want to surveil protesters while they're doing their thing. They also have like their badge numbers covered up and she she also she also banned the use of tear gas and then the very next day they're tear gassing people at the protest it's like why even say it you know why even say it and then I'm not going to say she made her do it but then Carmen Best comes out and says that it was her decision to deploy the tear gas and it's like that's fine but there's no way you're doing it without the mayor saying yeah go ahead and do it you know because she just fucking said don't do it for 30 days so there's no way you're going to just decide as the police chief that you're just going to override that no and they're all hanging out in the same place. You know, you know that they're all in constant communication if they're not in the same area. There's no way that Carmen Best unilaterally decides to override the mayor's decision to ban tear gas for 30 days in Seattle. That's bullshit. Jenny Durkin is in on that shit. Yeah, it's it's crazy. What it is got? true, according to USA Today fact check, that tear gas is a chemical weapon banned by the Geneva Convention in war. Yeah. How the fuck? Are citizens of the United States in a law enforcement capability allowed to use chemical warfare against citizens exercising their First Amendment rights? Yeah. So let me. I'm, I just. No, 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 I, I, I have heard like that an, on Rogan, and I hadn't fact checked it. I have an ending That's point. One source. I have an ending point on this, and then before we go, we have to talk to Elijah about Music. his work and his ex- yes. yeah and his experience to, during Corona. Um, so we're going to be talking so. about all of this stuff over. Probably at least the next couple months. I don't think yeah. it's going anywhere. Yeah, no, we're going to keep talking about this. Um, and so we'll talk about the, you know, Capitol Hill zone more. Um, one of the things that I wrote down this morning is that one of my biggest 
concerns with the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone right now, right? Because in the beginning, there's like there's questions about extortion and all that stuff. It seems to be getting progressively more peaceful now, as have all the protests and all that stuff. It's getting real it's, Occupy Wall Streetish. Yeah, it's except just, like if Occupy Wall Street was run by a bunch of flunkies. So my biggest concern now, right? Because um, I, ha- I have three, I have three major concerns with Chaz now. Okay. Um, and the first one is super pissed off right-winged individuals that decide that they're going to go and take back the autonomous zone that they're getting weird backwards media and they decide that it's time to move and they're going to go in there and do it right some proud boys some whatever the fuck they decide that it's time right Mm -hmm. my other concern um is the the demands that they posted on medium.com in a lot of cases are going to be a non-starter in discussions with the police, right? <laughs> so I don't know if you've seen this, which is also backwards because they have like a sign posted at the autonomous zone of things that they want of demands and then the formal ones they've posted on the internet. And they're also saying... Um, Oh, yeah, there it is. Right. So now they're saying, like, oh, the media is bastardizing these demands. That's something they want. So the demands on Medium, the very first one says... They want a full defunding and abolition of the Seattle Police Department. They want a canceling of all active pensions for Seattle police officers. And they want an abolition of the local judicial system. So verbatim, um, the Seattle Police Department and attached court system are beyond reform. We do not request reform. We demand abolition. We demand that the Seattle Council and the mayor defund and abolish the Seattle Police Department and the attached criminal justice apparatus. That means 100% of funding, including existing pensions for Seattle Police, at an equal level of priority. We also demand the city disallow the operations of ICE in the city of Seattle. That's their first that's demand. That's the very first one. And so, it goes on. And so far. There's some stuff that's not that wild, but there's a lot of stuff that has to do with like restoring voting rights and free housing and like a lot of stuff that's just politically yeah. and judicially going to be a non-starter when you're Ooh. talking to the government. This is from what the collective free, what does it say at the top? Yeah, it is the, the demands of the collective black voices at free Capitol Hill to the government of Seattle, Washington. So this was... This was taken down by someone at the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone by the leaders of Black Lives Matter, whatever group you know is whoever. existing within the chats. Because I don't know who the leader of chats is. I have no idea. I don't think there is. The collective, yeah, whatever this is, this yeah. is what I would prescribe the most to because the I mean the issue that they're all there that they're to protest is racial equality, systemic racism, and police brutality. So this is the list of demands that I would assume you know, we demand a retrial so, of all people in people of color currently serving a prison sentences of violent crime by a jury of their peers in their community. So I think if I re- recall correctly, um, this was actually dictated or not dictated but it was uh, transcribed from yes. somebody actually like getting up there and reading this right thing, so right so there's a lot of grammatical errors in here that would justify that as well so that's another one of my big concerns is that if that's what they're standing by that's going to be a non-starter for a, the mm-hmm. government of the state and of of the feds i mean people are a lot of stuff that you can't you can't do that you know yeah, it's, you there's a difference the when you're talking about defunding you're saying defunding and then you're saying well that's not what i mean because of this and this right there's a question about verbiage right and you can start to get people on board when you're talking about reform of police department and spending money differently and stuff like that but then 
after a week you've been saying that and then you post a document that says no we were just bullshitting we're actually talking about a full abolition of the police department you're you're shooting yourself in the foot because you have just taken away all of the advance that you've you've got over the last week on this issue right over people who like me the first time i heard i said that's stupid as fuck and then i start hearing like okay you're talking about spending money differently and trying to incorporate different systems like okay i can understand yeah terrible i can get this right yeah but then to immediately revert back from that to no no no, we mean a full repeal of of the police department i don't think is gonna help them get anywhere um and my third concern is the federal government, especially under Donald Trump and the way that he's talked about the autonomous zone and the protests, one of my biggest concerns is like a Waco or Ruby Ridge style situation where the government decides that enough is enough and they take this down with force. That's extremely concerning to me because I foresee, right? This is a lot of foreseeing, right? But if that is to happen, that will activate, invigorate the anarchistic portion of the left that is willing to take up arms and cause more damage, just like we saw in the beginning of these protests where things are being looted, they're being destroyed, breaking up sidewalks just to throw bricks Mm -hmm. for the cause of causing trouble. That is only going to be intensified if they go in that autonomous zone and they break that shit up like Donald Trump is talking about doing. He's talking about sending the National Guard in and, no, we're done with that. We're taking it over. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do, like they did at Waco, and they well. try and paint these people like they did the Branch Davidians. They try and paint the people at Ruby Ridge like they did. That's not going to fly. Social media didn't exist at Ruby Ridge. It did not exist at Waco. That is not going to fly here. We've watched this happen from the very beginning. Yeah, mm-hmm. the John Brown gun club era, that's fine. We've seen that. You go in there and you forcibly take this land back with fucking with the military not okay. good. That's that's one of my biggest concerns. So, given the fact that some group of individuals have taken over and occupied a six blocks radius of Seattle, what which is highly illegal, and they're restricting people's rights and all this, certainly. What do you do about it? Is it a low? Oh man, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. I have to think about that a lot. Yeah. I got to talk to way more people. Um, I don't know. I don't know because as as it sits right now, it seems like a bunch of fucking idiots. You know, I mean, if oh, you dude. look at even the garden that they've done, Elijah, they literally took cardboard. And I'm oh, not I'll trying to shit on people. They, I'll show you. They literally took cardboard and laid it out over grass, it's and then poured magical. like four inches of topsoil on it and planted plants in it. So this is why I like, don't. That's the garden they're going to grow to sustain themselves in this time. This plants is... can't grow through fucking cardboard. Dog. Like it doesn't work that way. And they also you can't grow an entire tomato plant in this much soil. Yeah. Like it doesn't. So it's just, no. it's just people who don't know what they're doing working on something, which I, I understand. I get it. I'm not saying like the idea is stupid, but it's being extremely poorly executed. You yeah. know? And you can see a lot of good stuff. There's some really established stuff. There's, there's movies going on 24 seven to try and educate people on the things that they're talking about. You know, there's also big food stands. Now that they have food back there, there's shit there that people are donating that you can go and you can get. But at one point, they also had a bowl. With bags of Sprite because they didn't have cups or anything. They had a two liter of Sprite. They're pouring it into Ziploc bags and they got it in a bowl. Just take one bag and move on. You so know? that was their garden area. Yeah. And now there's a guy with these two sticks in there trying to do some crazy maneuvers and he's just not doing well. Yeah. But there's no more plants there anymore. So, so 
the cardboard thing, right? I've, I've Ben Shapiro and shit was talking about this and okay. trying to make fun of it, but Ben Shapiro is a city dweller and has no concept of what that truly means. So, like, cardboard in a gardening situation, yeah, utilized properly, yes, does a job. But and not this way. Yeah, not that way. No. You need about another foot of soil on top exactly. of it. Exactly. Right? Yeah, you can use it to kill the grass. You can use it to compost. There's all kinds of shit you can do yeah. with it, but not It'll this. It'll kill you can't do any this weeds it. and grass that are going to grow up there because they won't. it'll starve from oxygen and light. And so right. they will dissipate. And then because it is cardboard, it'll biodegrade. It'll become some nitrates and all that, and it's good for the soil. And then you're, then you're, then you're living, right? But that's not what's happening here. It's... Like I said, I'm not worried about the Chaz because the Chaz is going to disappear sooner rather than later because the people that are trying to do it... It's a strange place, the Chaz. ...don't know what they're doing. It could be a show on it. Oh, it's so... Yeah, and that's, you know, that's like my thing. Is like, I'm not... Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. You yeah. know, they've got a couple of people there with guns because those people were into guns beforehand. Yeah. You know, at first it was being made like they broke into the police station and they stole some guns and you had some random people who were out mm-hmm. there just with guns. I don't know. It's a, it's a strange weird. deal. And I think that, like I said, one of my bigger concerns is just the verbiage and stuff that's being thrown around that makes it difficult to have any type of productive conversation about what's happening, especially about police reform, reallocation of funds, anything like that. You know, when you start to get some headway and convince people that's what you're talking about, then this group comes out and says, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about everything gone, even the pensions from the people who aren't even cops anymore. Fuck your retirement. We want that shit. Like, I just don't see how that is gonna get anywhere productive you want to know what some good old-fashioned leftist progressive white privilege get you chess i've seen people that's what happens that we went to school with that and we'll transition this into talking about your experiences but that like went to college after we graduated high school and you know they're really activated by what's going on capitalism is racist you know and it's like i just don't i just don't understand Read Howard's in, and you'll understand. I just don't get where it comes from, yeah. you know? Um, there is enough literature out there to fill bad ideas that they teach on the college level that can turn people's thinking onto that side. Have you seen stuff like that? And if like it's that? not challenged. No, I haven't, no. Oh. Not the whole the capitalism is like race. I asked him if he'd seen stuff like that oh. um, just because we went to school together so we know a lot mm-hmm. of the same people. Yeah, just a lot of stuff like that that I think is just counter to logical thinking, you know? And I think it's also counter to any type of productive movement for what's going on, Yeah, you know? Um I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, yeah, I think with something like this, you only as monumental as this is. And like, it's awesome to see everyone come together kind of for a common goal. Kind of. I think with something like this, so you only get one shot and you can't really mess it up. And Mm -hmm. if you're talking about capitalism as racist, you're fucking it up. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, you have to shoot accurately when you're coming with this. I'm not out there in the field, so it's kind of weird to talk about. It's kind of like the same people are like abolish the police and do all this, do that. 
But they're also the same people who are like, hey, be safe out there at the protest. You know, fuck police, but hey, stay safe. I'm not going to be out there pr- protesting, but be safe out there. Also, the, the same fuck? people who are anti-Second Amendment. Exactly. Also in favor of abolishing the police force. And it's like, I don't... And I'm not going to be the guy that's like, who are you going to call if they come to your house? You know, but I just don't... In a situation like this, yeah. well, it's you, how are you going to be safe? Yeah. You know, that just doesn't... It's utopian thinking, and there is no... There's no bringing it out to a rational conclusion of what happens. It's just, if there are no guns, there's no gun violence. It's like, yeah. There's going to be a violence. This is a real there's going to be violence world. somewhere, though. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be something, but I, uh, there was one other, I can't remember. That's all right. Let That's me ask right. you about this. So, goddamn, that was a great conversation. Um, <laughs> so, that was a two cool. hours on one right. topic. Cause, yeah, because part of this is we want to get an idea of everyone's Experience during the shutdown, everything like that, because mm-hmm. it's, it's so. So where do you where do you, you work at the shipyard? Yeah, right. How so my life's been perfectly normal for me. How Everyone around me, a uh, year and four months. What did you do before that? Uh, sub custodian for the school district, and then discount tires, so tire technician. Right. Tires. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You and Randy, right? Randy yeah. used to work there? Yeah, yeah. I got yeah. him a job there. <laughs> Word. 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 Good hire or bad hire? We're both out. We're both at the shipyard now. There so. you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it that way. So what do you do in the shipyard? Uh, work on submarines. And so because you are not any type of immunocompromised, you stayed at work this whole time? Yep, this whole time throughout the whole closure when they were putting everybody on admin leave. I've been at the shipyard. Trenton's worked there for a really long time. He has asthma. And so he was one of the first people that was sent home on administrative oh, yeah. leave because he has asthma. So I also have asthma, but I've also heard it's pretty hard to go to like, the doctor's to like actually get that note yeah. like to actually call because um, they're busy right because it's like the peak of all that so I never just like I guess I never try you know it's like whatever so is yours just it's not documented at work but you have asthma it's documented but the word that they're looking for is like severe severe or like oh. really bad it's like keywords and if you have that keyword you'd still be out till this day and it would be like three months counting so and trenton's only been back at work for maybe like two weeks exactly yeah they were doing like two week cycles yep. of like nope stay home for another yeah, two yep. stay home for another two a lot of people stayed off for like a month yeah a month yeah. or two well i think sure. that was kind of the story with uh our buddy caleb too mm-hmm. um he got just got in yeah he he just got in started working all that stuff but then his wife got you know they got pregnant they just got married and all that oh, good stuff course, right yeah. and so they were like no dude you just go home Isaiah your too. wife's pregnant but yeah. then yep, Isaiah. he's back to work now and she's still pregnant so they relieved a lot of so stupid so stupid <laughs> <laughs> oh, the government yeah the government makes they weren't sense. well thought out let's just put it that way but like after like a month and a half they relieved the fact that if you're like there to take care of a family member that's prone to it then you have to come back to work. So a lot of people came back. So well, I, to see it like from like going to ghost town to people slowly and surely come back, it's kind of crazy because there's still a lot of people out till this day. Like everyone that's even remotely old, like 65, are still gone. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Dog is really wanting to come hang out. Oh, <laughs> I hear um, him barking. So do you? Do you live by yourself? Do you own a house? Do you rent an apartment? What do you? What do you I do? live with my girlfriend. We live in the top of a house. Word. So like a big ass house on top of it. It's like that's, the attic of it. That's awesome. Because out here, I haven't seen that very much. Like, but when I was 
young and single and I was living on the East Coast, like the majority of people lived in like a basement apartment or a second story apartment yeah. on a split level house. I don't see that much out here. And I think it's a travesty, first of all, because it's one of the only affordable ways people can live. Yeah, yeah and, especially nowadays. Yeah, because fuck, man. I don't, I'll just say the only reason I was able to get this house was because I knew a guy who gave me a hookup. Because otherwise, I'd never be able to afford out a house out here because housing prices out here are insane. So I like the fact that there's still those living situations set up in this area. Because for one, it helps homeowners out because you get a cut on your you know on your mortgage because you got people living up in a half of your house that you're not going to fucking live in anyway. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know because. That's a whole nother. I'm a, I work in construction, and so putting houses up and everything, and the size of these houses and stuff. I have a lot of problems with how how we create new homes in the area. Yeah, but um, I'm just really glad to hear that that's a situation that still exists out here. So that's good. We live in a basement apartment. Jordan's grandma mm-hmm. has a house in oh, right Kipur, yeah, and so we live in the basement apartment of that house. Oh yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> this is good the living. Way to do I mean, it's it. comfortable oh, yeah. living. So. I lived in multiple basement apartments yeah. throughout my life and it's fucking great yeah it's comfortable for yeah. sure well for that's sure. we have one kid it still works you yeah, know? exactly we, yeah. like we had like a big laundry and storage area that i just separated into like three quarters and one quarter and built dax's room in one part and then left the other part for the laundry and yeah there you go here you go dog you can yep. hang out in here <laughs> yeah that's you we plan on making it work as long as we possibly can, you know? And that's what that's the old the studio is going to be now. I'll show you before you leave, like, All where right. we used to be set up. Yeah. But that'll eventually be kids' room. So you're... I don't need a big room. Your girlfriend, what does she do for work? Was she affected by the shutdown? No, so she also hasn't been affected. She works, she works for customs. So she does, like, all the international flights, basically the oh, cop oh. portion of that, right? That's really? Dope. Yeah. So I'm super in the middle about a lot of things. So yeah. Wow. So, That's very interesting. So as far as like the gun thing, she's the one with the gun. Like the, she's the one that has to carry a gun like all the time. So. Oh, that's fine then. That's very Shit. interesting. Sure, yeah. You got somebody who knows how to use guns. She's strapped. That's cool. Yeah, you yeah, don't need yeah, to worry yeah, about yeah, it then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Personal responsibility absolved. Yeah, I don't need mine. to worry about it. Yeah. Not mine. <sighs> We're going shooting tomorrow. Just, uh, I mean, it took forever when all this stuff popped off. And you like, you know, people freaked out, bought guns, bought ammo. Mm-hmm. So you like couldn't buy. Yeah, ammo, so I know. It was yeah. like took a long time to get enough ammo up to be able to feel comfortable to go shooting and like and still not have no ammo at home you know mm-hmm. it's a strange deal i bought when the first when the uh checks came out the 1200 dollars checks right when mm-hmm. those happened i bought some ammo online a bull quarter that said it was in stock but then it was like actually it'll be here in like six weeks yep. yeah. and then like four weeks later i got another email that was like actually it'll be here like six weeks from now and it just kept getting back ordered and i canceled most of them and i guess one of them i didn't for this this gun's a 10 millimeter so the ammunition it's less common so it's easier to get okay and i it shipped yesterday damn I bought it when the checks came out. Holy shit. However long ago that was, because that's what I was waiting for was to get that extra money. And I bought it that day and it shipped yesterday. Damn. So whenever, yeah, whenever that first round of checks came out until yesterday is how long it took to get 500 rounds of 10 millimeter ammunition, which is very uncommon. Very yeah. uncommon. I've not met another person who, who has a 10 millimeter gun. I don't it's, know anybody either. Yeah. It's just rare. And, I was shocked 
that it was it took that long. It's a weird time. Colin told me we did a we did we were when all this happened we were supposed to have a live show right our very yeah, first yeah, live yeah, show yeah, like, like the yeah. week after Denzel was supposed to be here yeah. we were like yeah live show and then everything was closed and <laughs> so an empty live show yeah yeah and we did that why the fuck did I start talking about this ten millimeter guns, guns ten live millimeter show, shut down live show shut down hard to get ammo no. Swing on and a miss. I don't even <laughs> lost. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, apparently, since I mean, unaffected <laughs> is pretty nice. So, so you just couldn't go out to eat. That's the only. Did you yeah, go out no, to eat yeah. a lot before? I mean, I guess yeah. Like every weekend, we'll go out to breakfast. That's about it, though. And then breakfast is that great does meal to suck go out to. because yeah, same. We work. I mean, she usually doesn't get home till like you know eight o'clock. With her job and how far we have to, you know, she's got to come and shit now. So, going out to eat during the week is not a thing. Yeah. But, like, going down to the fucking hands grill on a Sunday morning grill. for breakfast is amazing. But I couldn't even do that anymore. Yeah. Fuck, man. It sucks. And I don't even know what kind of... Are retail stores starting to open up? Yeah, every, yeah everything's opening That's up good. in moderation now. Yeah, I've been pretty hands-off because, kind of like you... I. I think I ended up working from home for like two weeks or something like that. But then I was like, because I'm in construction and we've had a lot of special preferences, we yeah. had to kind of come back to work first. And so I didn't really feel much of a shutdown except for, you know, wife not being able to work and shit for two months plus. But yeah, it's weird. I'm trying to figure out, like, I kind of lost touch with what what's open what's not open all this stuff because it's like I'm still living like a hermit most things now yeah most things even even in just limited fashion that first week yeah two weeks ago we went to fucking uh, Silver City oh, oh, yeah, that's on. right yeah, it was right delicious. delicious you sent me that picture and I was yeah. like motherfucker fuck so so your girlfriend works she's been working you've been working yeah that's nice yeah well, literally everyone I know besides like didn't actually even Denzel's been working the whole time too. So like, I don't even. What does Denzel? He do? works for a contractor, basically carpentry. Okay, well, good for him. Yeah, yeah, good for him. That's yeah. It's it's nice that we were able to find that kind of statewide loophole to yeah. be able to like for because I mean what other than the shipyard, which is the number one employer in the county. I mean everything. The next biggest has got to just be the construction industry. Yeah, and it's for the most part we don't work in close quarters you know we're more at risk in this room right now than we are normally working outside in our job so that's good to hear <clears throat> so i before because we're starting to get pretty close there let's start to talk about music a little bit and okay. your guys's you know the the biggest thing you know i've been listening to a lot of upper left the last few days and Appreciate it. you know we we tried to talk a little bit i, I don't remember if it was during a pre-show or something about how like soundcloud has Let's just say I've had a problem trying to find your guys' latest tracks and stuff on SoundCloud. Okay, like it's yeah. getting the way they organize and stuff like that. It's not ideal and all that stuff. I found better luck on Spotify and iTunes, which yeah. is good. I yeah. think I think that's kind of what we're or we're trying to execute that a little bit better because mm-hmm. that's like most people are just everyone either if you have an iPhone, you usually either have Apple Music or you have Spotify. So we definitely prioritize those two primarily. And, like, the way we have it set up, you have to, like, 
actively put your music on SoundCloud separately. So mm-hmm. I think I don't know. As far as the guys go, they probably just like eh, screw SoundCloud right now. But I know whenever I put my music out and like my tracks, I try to touch bases on everything. So that's good because it's, it's there's you guys have quite the collection, and I think it's it's really interesting now looking at. Like even a couple of years ago, where you guys were at then compared yeah. to now, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of a lot more individual paths. I think being laid forward, you know, like I've seen, like last night I was listening to one of your specific playlists that you have on SoundCloud, and I just sit there, and let that run because you have your own P and W Nils playlist, and it goes right through there. But you know, and I know, like like Mac. Mac has an EP album out yeah, with yeah. his stuff, and Denzel's got his kind of thing going on. And RJ's got a, a playlist going of all his stuff. So while all you guys seem, I mean, is that something that's actually happening? You guys are also doing individual paths as well as the upper left together. Do you guys just kind of generally work all together? And then, you know, this is more your project. This is more your project. It's more your project. So you throw your guys's, you know, that particular name on it. It just, you guys put out a lot of music. Yeah, the I, dynamic of the yeah. of the group. <clears throat> it just seems to be, you know, what's the makeup of the group at this point, I guess? It, it seems to be a lot of individual projects combined with a lot of group projects. Are you moving forward mostly collectively or right. individually? Um, there you go. That's, that's, you know, that's a good question. Uh, it's definitely kind of moved together as a group, but at the same time, we kind of sat down. So, like, to touch on the, the music video, John yes. Sadik. So, John Sadik. Yeah, okay. John Sadik. Still one we of our best friends to school with him. To this day. Really? Yeah. So, That's he was really like, nice he was about to go to ma- like, um, school to get his master's and everything. He was like, fuck that. This is my calling. I'm just going invest, to invest hella money. So, we went like 50 50 on a lot of shit. I'm going to invest hella money and just get really good at like, doing videography, YouTubing, all this other stuff, right? So the video's dope so far. Really? It's not done yet, but it's very dope. That should be out within the next couple of weeks. Oh, I'm going to hit up I'm John Satak, get him on the show, too. It's tell extremely him. Next good, time man. you see him, tell him I that will. I'm going to be talking to him. He needs to come on here. I will. So <laughs> tell him about your experience. I will. No, for sure, for sure. Uh, so that's a lot of what it was. And it's like talking to him, like talking about like our dreams and everything like that, you know, is like you can't let any of these people down. Like Makai is about... To, has a wife, dog. He has a. He's about to have a Baby kid. On yeah. the way. I, yep. I, What's his Twitter handle? Future Daddy or Future fe- Father? Yeah, yeah. Future, future Father. father. Yeah, yeah. It's like the peanut king. little baby. The peanut king. Peanut yeah, king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Denzel. Well, and RJ too is like such a weirdo. He's just you know, like in just a totally good dog, way. Yeah. Just do his pictures of weird thing, yeah. shit. Just yeah. his own. Yeah. Love he's it. a yeah. He's he's a he's a guy. RJ is an enigma. I have said that to every member of your group. He is an enigma. He is extremely (laughs) difficult to pin down. I asked him before I asked anyone else to come on here individually. I asked RJ, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll think about it." And I never heard from him. RJ rolls. He rolls in squads. He doesn't. He's not a solo act by any. That's what Denzel said. Denzel said, "Bring him on with someone else." Yeah, then he'll come on. I was like, "Okay, all right." But as far as music goes, we're definitely releasing singles. That's just because we have so many singles. It's on me. I'm like the primary mix mixer engineer rj will like help do like a lot of the in-house stuff but before it's like all said and done since the equipment's at my house i'm the one that's like all right cool i'm gonna mix this make sure it's like up to standard and i'll send it to them make sure we go get the verbal back 
and then that's how we'll release it. That's how we've been doing the past two songs because Makai did his, Denzel did his, of course, the fences, right? Yeah. Denzel has a you lot guys are of good out songs. Fire tonight. right now. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's what De- not to interrupt, but that's what Denzel said when he was here is that he had a lot of music he that does. he didn't want to put out on SoundCloud because, and he said very humbly, he said, "I know what I'm worth." No, yeah. he's good. Man. <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's fucking he's incredible, good. He's good. Denzel. You guys are all incredible. Yeah, Denzel. I was shocked. Voice of an angel. It is absurd yeah. at how good his voice is. That is crazy. That's just, I think it's luck of the draw. He's a big man. That's it's why so I think weak. what got me about it. Yeah, I never met him before. I only knew Jordan, you know, yeah. from going to school with him. And then when you guys came in his group, I was like, this is fucking Denzel. Are you kidding me? Jesus Christ. I just didn't expect that. All you guys have like your own, just your own unique talent. You know, like obviously all collectively for music, but each individual thing, you know, and I think it would take me time to pin it all down. Uh, But it's that's what I'm going to work on. That's my mission for the next few weeks. By the next time that we're here, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have what I think each of their unique qualities, not rules, but unique qualities. They're they're all good at making music. You know, they all have that in common. But um so Makai, as I have nailed down, because I just talked to him about yeah, this like yeah. two days ago, right? Makai, to me, I was listening to him rap, and the way that he's able to make words fit whatever cadence he's rapping in at that time, I told him it reminded me a lot of Eminem, being able to make, just fuck up the way that he's pronouncing them to fit whatever he's, whatever scheme he's rhyming at the time, I think is very unique, it's very particular, you know? And I think you all have something like that in the group that makes you successful together. And then also when you make music individually, it's all it's fucking incredible. Like you don't you don't lose anything when you're making it all four of you or two of you or three of you. It's all the quality is is never changing. Yeah. You know? And I think that that speaks volumes about all of you guys as individuals, that it's not like Micaiah left and made his own thing, and it's like, oh, well, he's the only one that's actually making good shit. You know, like, you made your own thing. RJ's made his own songs. Denzel's made his own songs. And they're all of equal caliber. Uh, every time I'm just this, fuck, this is great. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, how are you not making all of the money in the world, you know? And <laughs> yeah. it's impressive. You're all uniquely impressive, you know, and also yeah. collectively as a group. And I think that that's very important. There are a lot of people that we've seen. Beyonce, Lil Wayne, that started as a group and kind of were bigger, yeah. bigger than who they were, than yeah. where they started, you know? And it's mm-hmm. not, not that you don't all deserve your own spotlight, but that you are all operating on the same level of intense talent that I think makes your collective work that much more impressive, you know? And mm-hmm. your individual work that much more impressive to see the quality never changing, you know, Lil Wayne and the hot boys, he was doing that shit for a long time, but Lil Wayne is unquestionably better than the rest of the people that he was rapping with, you know, like that's it. it, There is no question about that. So, and I don't see, I don't know. I don't want that to sound like a bad thing, but I don't see that type of thing within your guys's group where one person is going to be uniquely more talented than everybody else and have to like move away at something. No, you know, no, I don't think so either. That's definitely not the plan. We talk about it. Whoever, if anything happens, anyone blows up, in my mind, I haven't really talked to them about it. In my mind, I till this day, I'll always defend. Makai is my favorite when it comes to just making music because I like his songs. I just like something about him. I don't know. Makes and then shit, if yeah. anyone's going to blow up, realistically, I think it's going to be Denzel. The name, the voice, the type of stuff that we can potentially get him to start doing, like get him out of his comfort zone, he just mm-hmm. takes the longest to make music. 
Not not saying it's not worth the wait, but he does take the longest out of the three of us. Obviously, we rap singing is a lot harder. Do you think um, is it is he a perfectionist? Is that why it's taking him so long? It's a little or? bit, yeah. It, it takes a group of people to be like, even my songs, one of my best songs, they love. They'll sing to this day, you know. And I'll I probably won't release it for a while because art is art. But yeah, Denzel would be like, hey man, this is a good song. You have a gem here. You just need to release it. And he's like, not yet, you know. So I love this picture on the. Uh, uh, yeah. On the with the, the suspenders and the bow tie, yeah. this, that's a Makai's wedding, that's right? That's a wedding, yeah. yeah that's yeah. from that, uh, yeah, Small City Big Dreams Volume 2 interview, yeah. So they interviewed Denzel only, yeah. That's fine, though. I, I had no idea he even did it. We don't talk like that. We touch bases on songs that's got to get released, but we don't touch bases on like interviews. Like, I think only RJ knows I'm here. Right now, I'll be honest with you. And you guys don't have any issues, like no, no, because like we are individuals, but we're we are a collective at the end of the day. But it doesn't matter by any means. No one's getting paid to do anything yet, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. How many songs? Be as specific as you want, because now we know that you and Denzel both have songs just waiting. Just waiting. Um, and I assume that all four of you do, but we do. Denzel we do. has a lot. How many songs do you have that you're just sitting on that you haven't released yet? Roughly. And you don't have to answer that if you don't. No, I understand the mystique. So if no, you're, you know, no I, got, I got a couple. How deep is that yeah. fault? We have no notoriety yet. So I, there's no mystique. <laughs> <laughs> there's no mystique. It's all personal. Uh, I personally have about three or four. Literally one I put in the Dropbox last night because I was talking to RJ. I was like, RJ, I sampled your voice on this. And he's like, no way. I need to hear it because, you know, like I want to hear it. Put it in the Dropbox. Forgot to take it out of the Dropbox where everyone else could hear because I have like my own section where it's just like all mine. Yeah. And then Makai hit me up because he's like beating the Dropbox. Literally as I'm driving here. <laughs> he's like beating the Dropbox. I listen to him like, hey, good beat. And he's like, dude, like this song, what? Like how? And he's like, I'm jealous. And I have the messages and everything. He's like, I'm jealous and all this stuff. And like... I'm like, man, don't don't even say that, because you know, obviously, I just said Makai's like my favorite guy. Don't gas me up like that, dog. Yeah, I was like, don't <laughs> gas me up, because like I made the beat and like the transition and everything like that. I like transitions a lot, but that will be out soon enough. Our plan, our our plan is within the next two weeks, we're gonna release an EP. There's four of collectively. us, right? Collectively, collectively, yeah. So we're shooting for like three. We might do like five. We have at least three songs aimed right now. They're going to be over at my house tomorrow. So we'll see what comes from that. I think it's four of us, man. It's it's time. We're all 25, 23, whatever Denzel fuck is. Um, it's just time. Young man. ass motherfucker. You see all these other people, you know, it's like the perfect time where people are actually staying inside, listening. Mm-hmm. Time to secure the bag. It's time bro. to secure the bag. Yeah. yeah. Like, not, I'm not too scared to say like, I'm super scared of it, but at the same time, time you know like at what point if i don't do it now then i'm always just gonna have that regret and i can't let these people down like to move to la have a mansion or something like that and just network through that mansion that would be the ultimate goal you know i can't let these people down i have to it's it falls on me a lot of it is on me and i have to i just have to you know carry that and i have to do it i have to do this man so why do you say that if a lot of it falls on you because i make a lot of the beats i i do like a lot of the engineering production a lot of production not saying that they don't but because they all make beats, right? Makai makes beats, and Makai Denzel does fences. make beats. He made he made fences, but primar- or primarily it is either Jordan, Makai, or myself. A lot of RJ shit. That's me. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's just like if we can't do this in house, like at what point right. are we gonna be able to do it? You know, we shouldn't have uh-huh. to rely on anyone else. There's four different minds that are all brilliant, 
I think we can do it. We just gotta oh, yeah. know, be active. So and it's the future. Yeah. We have the we have the ability yeah, to the do ability. things all by ourselves. Anything can happen. Yeah. yeah. So talk to me a little bit about between the difference because this is just mostly just ignorance and in, in music and stuff. The For difference sure. between like album, EP, single. So e- single's easy. Yeah, yeah. So EP, I think the actual def- extended play, right? Extended play, but which is asked backwards because so EP is extended play, which is short. I think it's like within twenty five minutes. Yeah. Three to five songs, I believe, is the guidelines for that okay. then you have LP which is like a normal album that's long play there's oh. not really I think it's just anything past EP is a long play which is LP so that's and, that and nowadays because 99% of music is going to be consumed on a single basis via streaming is there really much validity in the coming you know waiting to like actually put out a full album with 10 to 13 tracks on it oh my god can i answer as a, as yeah, a rap go, fan go, first yeah. absolutely okay. because let me okay wolf by tyler the creator uh-huh. one of my favorite albums of all time right i don't know if you know this particular album yeah, yeah. when i had my silver frontier that was the only cd that i played in that frontier from the time that i got it to the time that i sold it for over a year only CD I listened to was Wolf by Tyler the Creator because the crafting of the album is perfect. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West, all songs individually great, but if you listen to it from beginning to end, that's where we're really at. So it's almost like an art for the crafted, yes. So an album in its classic sense was meant to be consumed at once. Straight through. Straight through. But ever since I want to say probably the 90s albums kind of went out because people were you were able to consume a single track at a time or something like that and I so think people that. are going back though and I, know, I want you to answer that too but I as a consumer mm-hmm. um, of like I don't I'm not like on the cutting edge of music like Marquis Singleton is like really into music yeah, like yeah. all the time into music he's on the, always on new shit I I asked him about stuff, have him send me stuff. So I'm not on the cutting edge, but I like music, you know, and I think that's definitely coming back. People willing to listen to an album in its entirety, as opposed to just obviously there are tracks that are going to be better than others or that are going to just hit super hard shit like that. But I think if you have an album that you've designed to be listened to beginning to end, as opposed to a compilation of 12 different singles, you know, mm-hmm. for a long time, I think themes and stuff like that interludes, shit like that got taken out of albums, you yeah, know, when, yeah. Like and so there wasn't a story to it anymore. It was just music put into one thing being released all collectively. Whereas I don't know, like like Eminem is like the first thing that comes to mind. He always interludes in all of those albums back in the day in the nineties. All these interludes, like skits of, and all that. Yeah, skits talking to his agents and different rappers and shit like that. Like that type of stuff was so prevalent. You know, Wound Tank Clan, all that shit. You know, that's mm-hmm. very prevalent. So um, I think that that's. I think that's coming back in a big way. Albums with stories as opposed to just groups of songs being put out together. You know, what do you think about that? People still listen to albums. I think, I think it went away in like, as soon as the CDs kind of got abolished, like once CDs got one away, skip a track. Yeah. Yeah. It's way easier to do that. Right. But I think that was the death of the album. Instead of having like with a tape, you had to fast forward through and like know where the song started. Yeah. yeah. I would write down the fucking time (laughs) on the Walkman. For yeah. sure, that's yeah. really funny. You know, back in the old old, old I remember. Old school days. I think Jordan and I were just talking about like walking and holding a CD player in your pocket, but like holding it flat. You know, in your oh, switcher yeah. pocket, so that it wouldn't skip or anything like that. If you're, oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I remember the those early days. days. Couldn't even hold it straight up and down. Had to hold it flat. Yeah. So j- j- uh, uh. oh. <laughs> I'm so glad we. Anyone younger yeah. than 18 has no idea what we're talking about. So we are running real short on time, and I have to ask you about this before we leave. Okay. Talk to me about Pink. Pink. Oh, shoot. That was just... All right, so I released that under Nils. It was just random three songs. Mm-hmm. Did like every other week, right? Holding on, you, and Sugar. And Sugar, yeah. Great stuff. Oh, thanks. man. Yeah, thanks. Um, I literally just re- re-released it under the new moniker just because I had to have more discography under my name so okay i was like screw it. i'm just good the, the idea was to have pink be like the first set of eps and then have like a yellow blue orange green, oh yeah word color that scheme. probably still it's probably still what's gonna happen because i can make beats and i can like rap like weezer almost fast. like a weezer. exactly yeah there you exactly. go exactly i gotcha so i like that i like that a lot that's probably yeah. what's gonna happen and uh but right now the main focus is now that RJ's song just dropped today, you should listen to it. Ring my phone. Very good. Very good song. Word. Jordy made the beat. Jordy Sam made the beat. That's RJ is a very good song. So definitely look that up. Um, but yeah, the next focus is like focus on the group stuff. And then we will, you know, recalculate everything else after that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I fuck with that, bro. We'll definitely know that we stand with you as far as your music goes as far as blowing up your career we're here with you we had a conversation when the new year started of like like now is the time you know very similar to what you were talking about like if Mm -hmm. if there's a time that we are to start making money and start hustling and now is the time when we have the opportunity um and when denzel was here we talked a lot about small businesses and starting things and trying to grow them and work in together you know with other small businesses and just doing what you can to support other people even if it's just sharing people's stuff you know and just how difficult it is denzel knew you know you guys all know how difficult it is to get people to just share something on facebook that people you'll see them at safeway and they'll be like man that song you put out was fucking fire yeah it's like then will you fucking just share Share yeah show somebody just one person just don't even say anything just click share and accept and move the fuck on because you're already on goddamn facebook won't do it. Can't get him to do it. It's the hardest thing. Don't know what the deal is. And I make an active, I try to do it before. And especially since that conversation with Denzel, if I see anything that you guys are making or someone else that we went to school with, I know that's making something and share it, like it and share it, like Like it and share it every time. This is not that hard. It's two buttons. Two buttons. Five seconds, you know, at the most. And I just, Mm -hmm. so we feel the struggle. You guys have been at it way longer than we have. You know, you guys have been making music for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in high school, you guys were making music. Yeah, so, yeah. and um, arguably a lot more difficult industry to get into. Certainly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people making podcasts. There's even more people making music. Fucking so a, yeah, yeah. we, we are with you and we will, I told Makai cause I hit, I think I hit Makai I think when we had that same conversation about like securing the bag and I was like if, like if we make it before you do we are taking you guys oh with for us. sure we oh, are best if, belief yep, if we make it before you guys we are taking you right yeah. the fuck with us don't yeah. even that theme song is going to be with us forever yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I you guys are credited at the bottom of every episode that's posted yep. theme song produced created and written by upper left so yeah no we we appreciate you being here uh, is there anything else that you want to pimp before you leave the video you have coming out do you know when or is it in the world i'll be within the month man i just hit up john the other day so it'll be within the next month it's june 13th so, so. by mid-july we'll have the very first and it's an upper left video right it's my song actually. it's your it's song too, yeah, it's too, oh, they're, they're all in it they're all, no they're all in it but it's too um 
Wanted Right. So that's also a song that's everywhere, you know. Yeah. PW Nils, Wanted Right. Look that up and uh, it's to that. And it's a very fire video. You guys will be amazed. Because John is all in. Pimp the shit out of it as soon as it comes out. John's very smart. John, I have never been close to him, but I've known, I think we went to junior high with him too. So I've known John for a long time. Um, Very, very intelligent. Yeah. Extremely intelligent. Very driven guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm very interested in getting him in here. I will. Uh, No, I'm going to let him know right after this. Trust me. I'm very interested in that. Um, So. Yeah, again, thank you for being here. We're happy. I, I, I'm i excited to listen to this episode when it comes out and just be able to listen more and hear yeah. about what we've talked mm-hmm. about, try and take more. Because I know there was a lot of times in that two hours, that's some of the best conversations that I've had with anybody in an extremely long time. And I hope that yeah. you feel very similar no, to this. Do, yeah. It was a very good conversation. Made me think a lot and just invigorated my brain, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that now is a time where people need to have difficult conversations a lot of people have been saying that you know but not Mm -hmm. necessarily difficult conversations that like make you upset or make you feel guilty about things you've done in the past but just conversations that challenge your ideas and what you have established and what you think is best as far as moving forward in the country you know i think it's think this is the time to understand people's ideas you know signaling is not good enough right now we need to have conversation because what's going on right now is so this is i think this is like one of the first chances in recent history we have as a society to make real like tangible change but we can't fuck it up yeah by just getting lost in whatever signaling whatever nonsense is happening yeah it's too important to fuck up and i you know even having you here just to help us walk through some of this stuff has been immensely helpful for for me and I'm I'm sure for Donovan. Every time we sit down and we talk, it's this is like my therapy session every two weeks. And this one has been particularly helpful. Can I can I leave you guys with like a question, just like a little bit of a cliffhanger? Anything? No, I, I definitely don't want the answer yeah. right Completely now. Completely forgot to even ask you about your social issue. I'm so sorry. Oh no, you're I good. No, 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 so hey, no. It doesn't even matter. We talk. We'll about, have you back again soon because yeah, this was. Sure. Yeah, no, this was a great episode. I'm really yeah. happy to have you. So yes, ask away. It's a little. We'll think about it. We'll get back. Yeah, to it's about. a little out of the park. It's a little you know left field, but I have to ask because you guys do have like a following, and I I. I definitely value that and I, I appreciate your guys' like feedback and everything like that so like the next time I see you guys I would love to like hear what your guys thoughts on this but um, in regards to like the n-word right when growing up people would always ask like during February Black History Month when they always look at you and they're like how do you feel about this how do you feel about this well I was talking to Denzel and RJ not so long ago probably like a couple months ago and we like kind of like we're like holy shit and we were talking, you're like, I can't explain it, but when someone says the N-word that's not the same skin tone as me, something's embedded in my DNA that I know something's not right. And it's not something you necessarily had to teach me that as a young kid, right? I just knew it. Like, it's just something my ears prick, kind of like a dog that hears something, right? You're just like, something doesn't feel right. So that same feeling, I wonder... And maybe you guys can contribute to this. I don't know. Like, obviously, I'm not calling you guys racist by no, any no, means, no, 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 no. but I'm just no. saying that same feeling that I feel. I wonder if the other side of the spectrum feels like power when they say it. Kind of like, so say, maybe break it down to the simplest times or you know, way back times, slavery, they hate that word, right? On the other side of the spectrum, when the slave owner says it, they feel like the empowerment through it, right? 
So I wonder, I always wondered, and I just kind of want to have that conversation is people don't talk about it from the other standpoint. They yeah. only they only talk about it from, oh, what does a black person think when that happens? How do you feel? Well, how do you feel when you said, do your ears perk? How do you feel? Do you get a lot of courage from saying it? Because I don't know. That's, I always just wanted to ask that. I feel like no one talks about it. Yeah, it's always talked about the how it's being received and yeah. how it's being sent. Yeah, like what makes you feel... Like, what happens in your mind when you say that word? First of all, I don't. No, for sure. Thank I'm God. just saying. No, I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> I learned that at a very young yeah. age. I was like, no. This Generally, is just word. when discussing yeah. the concept, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so I can answer it briefly, and then I'll think for more sure. deeply yeah. about it. Prior to when you guys came in the last time, we asked you guys about it. About yeah. About how yeah. you guys felt about it. RJ spoke very strongly about not even using yeah, don't say songs it, yeah. or anything like that, right? And so I never gave much thought to it, like when I was by myself, and I'm like rapping. You know, of course not. You know, I never like really thought about it, um, but I did after RJ mentioned it that he said that it made him uncomfortable, and so it's something I've thought about. Since then, even when I'm by myself, you mm-hmm. know, and it was never something like you've known me for a long time. It's never something that I've used as a slur or anything like that. Um, only ever in music. And so I never felt power from it. Like almost unity maybe is not the right word, you know, but it always, especially in regards to music, always felt like such a collective thing to yeah. me that like this is for like I'm making this music for everybody, not just mm-hmm. for people or not just for black people, not just for whatever, you know, and so to me, it was almost a unity thing, not like finally one thing we can do together, but that, sure. like this is something that everyone can do, you Makes know, you and, feel a part of and it, the same sure. thing, there's a time and place, you know, that I if I was that white girl that RJ talked about on stage with Kendrick Lamar, I don't know oh, that I would say it if I was in front of all those people, I probably probably wouldn't you know but i also can understand a sense of confusion um on that girl sense of like this every time i've been by myself and i've done this it's been something that you know and it doesn't make it right so there's a time and a place and it's inappropriate and probably shouldn't done that you know Mm -hmm. but i also understand the confusion of in a music sense as far as music as far as people throwing it with a hard r as a slur i think that those people because i've never called anyone that like to to try and get after them or anything like that you know so that's gonna come from a dark yeah so i can't if you're like um, using to as a slur at somebody i have to imagine the power comes from your expectation of reaction yeah. You know, because oh, because man, a white be. person using that now, if I were to call you that, that doesn't provide me the power that it did if I was a slave master and I For called sure. my slave that. Yeah. That's I, this is my power over you now. It's a sign of ignorance that you think that that should be offensive or that you think that is a characteristic of this person that you're talking to, you know. And so I think that the power because I think they have to. I think to use that word to try and describe someone and demean them, you have to at least expect some type of powerful feeling out of it. The same reason, same with calling someone stupid or fucking retarded or whatever you're saying. You're expecting to get some type of good feeling out of that. And I think the power that they feel only comes from the expectation of reaction, you know, that because you're black, if someone called you that, they expect you to be mad. So because you're mad, I controlled this situation. Now I've chosen how this is going to be. It's an attempt to control that situation and that person and their emotions, you know? And so 
And I'm not telling you how to react at all because no, no, far I, be it for me. But I think that the power for them comes from the reaction. You know, yeah, no, if someone did call you that and you didn't, I mean, I think you're all in your rights to punch him and square in the fucking mouth. You know, yeah. but <laughs> but if you didn't and all you did was just yell and scream and be upset, all the powers immediate in that in that person's hand because they've dictated the course of this situation. Yeah, you know. So I think that it provides them less power if they get punched in the goddamn mouth for it because it shows them exactly how stupid it was. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the power just comes, or first of all, from ignorance, but also from an expectation of reaction. You know, because they can expect to try and dictate the situation. Mm-hmm. I can only. Uh, theorize because I've never, no, yeah, I've never used it. Right, trying, yeah, but, no. but that's that's what I would expect is that they would just hope like this is what'll do it, you know. Because if that's what you're resorting to, like this is what's going to do it. This is what's yeah. Gonna that's really the get one them, Trump, you know? card, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that it's from an expectation of reaction and an expectation of motion of emotion that they would get some sense of power from it. No, I so, think you're 100 percent right. I also kind of come at it from a point of if you're going to do that. I, th- I think context matters at yeah. that point because yes. not only would you be expecting a reaction and trying to come out on top, but you're also trying to hurt somebody. Yeah, certainly. And that uh, to the core, it purely yeah. it's purely on a, on out historical of historical level. Yeah, like Can on I a bad, in? bad. Because I honestly think you should end the episode like after I after Eli asks that question. I think that should like that be that was going to be that it. Was yeah, like, done. Amazing question, incredibly oh, thought provoking, and I'm on the same page as Donovan. But for to a further point, that like if you're going to call someone that and expect a reaction, you're almost kind of. Not to Candace Owens, but this is kind of a point that she made. Oh, that oh. bitch! We didn't even talk about her. Fuck! God damn it! Like people God expect you to act that way. They call yeah. you that word because they expect you to act that way. So if I call yeah. you that word and get you to beat the shit out of me, is that not how you're acting? Yeah, Are you, you still win. My point now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's just a trump card to like win the situation over. To be like, well, this word hurts you. Prove me wrong. Like calling yeah. someone a racist. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Like you can't back out of that. You know. That's just a question. I just I don't no, know. As we were talking. A great we question. definitely thought about it and we were like we came up with like all the possibilities we were just like I wonder how like well, most people feel about it tell them we talked about it I will you yeah I appreciate you it like a lot of no thanks preach this was a great episode this is my no, favorite thank episode yeah oh, thank this you. is yeah. I've, I've listened to all of them <laughs> <laughs> this is I mean yeah no I've I was almost in tears over here a couple times like this is this is my favorite episode this is fucking I'm like that was so good. The energy was great, you guys. That was great. Really the happy you're here. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. Love it. Okay, well, with that, wait, one wait, more wait. time. So let's yes, let's think about this, right? Because even if we leave this in at this point, if we do want to cut it off right at that question and pretend like we didn't think about it for a little while and address it next episode, what we thought about after the next couple of weeks on his question, talk about it then. We can make a cut and then immediately, all right, well, now that the cliffhanger question is done, we can end out with our line. Boom. Or do we just leave all of that I, in? I think you just leave it. Then we yeah, leave it. it. Yeah. And then we'll talk about it again like next that. week. Yeah. 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 A different kind of episode. It needs to be thought provoking. Like Because Josh like Keaton, I'm sure, will also be interested in that question. He says you're next again. Yes. Josh Keaton will be on in two weeks. Yeah. And yeah. ask him that. Yeah. I wonder yeah. what his input is on that, too, because everyone feels the same way. Well, and he yeah. just, like, he was just in college. So, 
yeah, he just yeah. met a lot of people from a lot of different places. So I'm interested just to hear his experience and shit like that. So cool. Yeah. So uh, with that, I think we can cut out at the end. Uh, again, I want to thank you for being in this fucking great episode, obviously. Um, yeah. yeah. One of my favorites for sure. Uh, you are at PMW Nils, and that is at Twitter and at Instagram. And I don't know if you want to do your Facebook because that's like your personal Facebook. No, that's that. uh, You can find the group at Upper Left. They're on SoundCloud, on Apple Music, Spotify, anywhere that you can find music. They're going to have a video here soon. It's going to be on YouTube, right? Do you guys have yeah. a YouTube page already? Uh, no, we're going to make that. Okay, yeah. cool. So they're going to... Yep. And so um, we will post that when we hear from you guys. When we get the video, we'll obviously share that all over the place. We'll post Our... it on the website too, I think, can we? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. We can. We can post the links. We can do all that shit. So, um, yeah, we also have their links on our website. And for every episode that we do, their links and their names are there. So you can find them. through yep, This episode that you're listening to right now, um, you can, if you want to keep up with us and more of the discussions that we're having in between episodes... I am at Salt of the Street on Twitter and at Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. And Colin is at Big Word Off. on both of those things. Facebook.com slash Salt of the Street. Salt of the Street at YouTube. Salt of the Street Instagram. Salt of the Street.com. We're out of here. All right. So with that, Colin, she wasn't gross. She wasn't that gross. Maybe if you lowered your standards, you get laid more often. Just leave my linebacker girlfriend out of this, Donovan. <laughs>